You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Star Wars The Mandalorian, Star Wars Squadrons, and all the other cool, new, and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tim. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Got to be honest, I could be doing a little better. Yankee just got eliminated from the postseason. So always a downer when that happens. But talking Star Wars is going to put me in a better mood. I know that's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. That's always a good way to get over a loss for your team. And it's always weird trying to coordinate our podcast schedules when there's postseason baseball going on anyways. Um, that is true. <laughs> yeah, we always like it. Whether it's football or baseball season, that always comes up when we're trying to schedule it. Yeah. Um, and Paul is not with us for this episode. Um, I'm sure he'll probably be back on the next one, but he wasn't able to make it tonight. Um, so this is going to be a kind of a bit of a fun episode because we don't have a whole lot of news or anything to talk about. Obviously, Squadrons just came out, and we're going to talk about that, but not necessarily give a whole in-depth review. Obviously, Paul wants to give his thoughts on that, too. And Tim, you haven't beaten the campaign yet. Um, so you and I can kind of both just share some general you know, overview thoughts, do a bit, of, a bit of a review on it, but we'll talk about it some more in the future, too. Um, and then we just got a couple of things briefly to mention about like the Mandalorian and the High Republic. Um, and when Paul is back, we've got an episode that we've been wanting to do just kind of talking about, uh, the current state of Star Wars and, um, kind of, you know, where things are at, where we think they need to go moving forward and some comments that like John Boyega and Daisy Ridley have made in the media recently, um, that we haven't talked about yet. And so that'll be kind of more of a heavy discussion Um, that we want to have with the three of us. So while it's just me and Tim here tonight, uh, we figured in the spirit of Star Wars Squadrons being released, we're also going to do a top five ranking and do our top five Star Wars video games. So uh, we'll get to that as soon as we get through all the the little news bits and the brief squadron review. So um, hopefully we'll have a good time with that and hope you guys enjoy it. But um, first, uh, just to dive in, um, wanted to mention a couple more things about The Mandalorian, which we obviously talked a lot about on our last episode um, with the new trailer that was released and everything. And of course, it won all the Emmy Awards. By the way, I kind of misspoke on the last episode when we were talking about like the soundtrack and how it didn't win the Emmy for Best Score, which it actually did. Um, and I guess Watchmen had won. There's so many different Emmy Awards, like in so many different categories. And Watchmen had won Best Soundtrack <laughs> for like a limited series. 
Um, which is weird because I guess it's only planned to run for one season, even though wasn't that like 10 episodes in The Mandalorian's eight? So it's like, who knows what counts as a regular series and a limited series anymore? But um, it was like, yeah, because Watchmen is definitely only one season. So I think that's why it's yeah. categorized as a limited series. Yeah. Um, but it's weird because it used to be, you know, like the limited series or the mini series or whatever, like, you know, would be a show that only ran for like six or eight episodes because everything was network TV that was like 24 episodes. And now that you got stuff on, on Netflix and Disney Plus and Amazon Prime, that's only eight or 10 episodes a season. It's like the lines are kind of blurred. But anyway, mm. so The Mandalorian did win an Emmy for best score as it deservingly should. Um, so I was happy about that, but that came out like right after, I think right after we recorded our last episode, we hadn't even released it yet, but I was like, oh, great. I messed that one up. Um, and I think it won, um, it won one other category too. I think it ended up winning like seven Emmy awards. Um, and I think our last count was at five. So again, great to see that show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, great to see that show getting the, the recognition it deserves, um, from the critics and the award societies, because obviously we know us fans love it. Um, but also speaking of the Mandalorian, they've released another, uh, just a new poster for it, um, that, you know, doesn't really show anything new, but it's just a cool shot of Mando on a speeder bike with a child, um, on presumably what looks like, you know, could be like the desert of Tatooine. Um, and of course we saw a shot of that in the trailer too, but it's a pretty cool looking poster. And then they also announced Mando Mondays. Which I guess is kind of going to take the place of like Force Friday this year, since there's no uh, movie coming out. Um, so I think The Mandalorian is going to be the focus of like all the new Star Wars merch that's coming out this year. Obviously, there's already like the Lego Razor Crest that's out and, and some of that kind of stuff. But um, I guess as we get later in the year, they're like on Mondays, they're going to be releasing um, new product lines and merch and stuff from the Mandalorian and season two and everything. So uh, if you're into collecting and, you know, I'm sure there'll be black series figures and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's going to be the new place to go for reveals and new Mandalorian products. I'm not sure how long, if they said or not, Mando Mondays are going to last for, but I wonder if it lasts throughout the entire course of the second season. I wonder if, will like the following Monday after a new episode, like let's say um, all those reports pan out and we get Boba Fett, we get Ahsoka in the season. If following those episodes, if that Mando Monday would reveal an action figure or a black series figure, some type of merchandise for one of those characters or any new character that gets revealed and that just premiered right before that Monday. Cause I can see like a pretty cool way to link those uh, days as kind of, Mandalorian event weekend type thing. You get the new episode and then you're waiting to find out what new merchandise come out from something that happened in that episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that certainly could be the case. Actually, I'm looking at the press release here on StarWars.com and it said it, it says it kicks off on October 26th and runs for nine weeks through December 21st. Oh, there um, you go. <laughs> so, yeah, that basically Possibly. is it's going to be, you know, it'll be the week before the first episode premieres and then every Monday after a new episode. So, um so, yeah, I don't know. On the one hand, normally when there's like a big surprise reveal, like with the child, for instance, like they mm. didn't have merch till months later. Um, so, you know, if there is a character like Ahsoka or Boba Fett or somebody that they're trying to keep under wraps, I don't know if they're going to have, you know, the merch ready to uh, to announce the following Monday. But maybe. I don't know. Um 
maybe some of the other secrets and stuff that they'll have kept in um, season two won't be maybe quite as big as that one big reveal at the beginning of season one. But also, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we haven't gotten from season one yet. Like we still don't have a black series figure of Quill or uh, Moff Gideon. Um, We are finally getting an IG 11 um, and they announced uh, a few figures here you know, like I said, the I guess Mando Mondays officially kicks off on October 26th, but they announced kind of a first wave of stuff when they made this announcement. And they've got like some uh, Legos and some Funko Pops and stuff, but they do have three new Black Series figures of the Mandalorian, Cara Dune, and IG-11 in like the vintage style packaging. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure we'll get a lot more, you know, characters we didn't get yet from season one, maybe some new ones from season two. Um, as they're popping up in the show, but it'll be kind of cool to be getting those reveals as we're going through the show and just be um, one more thing to look forward to as we uh, go through the season. Yep. And then uh, there's also been a bit of news around Star Wars, the, uh, the High Republic. Um, and I guess there was like a virtual New York Comic Con this past week. Um, I don't know if there was really anything like big announced from that because i haven't really heard people talking about it much but on twitter the star wars books uh twitter account revealed the the opening crawl for the high republic um you know basically done in the style like they would do for the movies but this is just for the uh the publishing launch obviously but it says star wars the high republic the galaxy is at peace ruled by the glorious republic and protected by the noble and wise jedi knights as a symbol of all that is good, the Republic is about to launch Starlight Beacon into the far reaches of the Outer Rim. This new space station will serve as a ray of hope for all to see. But just as a magnificent re- renaissance spreads through the Republic, so does a frightening new adversary. Now the Guardians of Peace and Justice must face a threat to themselves, the galaxy, and even the Force itself. Um, so just giving a, giving us a little bit more of you know a, a setup for what might be going down there. I know when they first revealed it and we're kind of talking about the story, they talked about this one incident that kind of sets everything off and that you're going to kind of see the ripple effects of in all these different stories. And I'm, if I had to guess, I would say maybe the Republic launches this starlight beacon and it doesn't go so well, and maybe it gets destroyed or gets taken over by some bad guys or something like that. So um, we'll see what ends up happening there. But they also had, uh, like I said, they had a panel for it as well during um, New York Comic-Con, and that's available to view on YouTube now. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Um, I actually didn't even realize that there was a panel available until we were just getting our stuff ready to record before uh, before we jumped on here. But um, yeah, that's got, you know, some of the authors and, uh, you know, they're just talking more about the characters and the events and their stories and stuff. So definitely check that out if you're interested in the High Republic and want um more details and to see kind of what they tease there. Yeah, I did read the opening crawl from that got released because I kind of figured it wouldn't be too spoilery, but I am kind of trying to stay away from a lot of High Republic reveals that are coming out. I kind of wanted to go into it um, as fresh as possible because I do believe, I don't remember if it was officially or if it was leaked. I'm pretty sure it was something official. The way the thing that triggers the event that happens and sets off the story for the High Republic, um, I think has been revealed that it is out there. And I have been trying to keep away from that <laughs> and not actively trying to follow High Republic uh, stories or leaks that come out. So um, I knew the opening crawl wouldn't reveal that. So I took a look at that. It was, like I said, it was kind of your typical Star Wars crawl fashion, setting things up 
for the story that we're going to be told in this novel. But I do want to find out what this cataclysm event that happens that sets the story in motion. I want to find that out when I'm actually reading it for the first time. So, um, yeah, I guess it just was a nice little tease to start getting us excited again for the High Republic as we near its new <laughs> release date in 2021. Um, obviously, I know Paul has gone on record saying how disappointed he was about that delay. Yeah, there's a lot of Star Wars fans are. And it, it kind of, at least for me anyway, don't think about it all the time, especially when we're so close to the Mandalorian season mm-hmm. two, and that's kind of getting all our attention right now. So it is good to kind of get the High Republic stuff in in there in the news feed a little bit, just to kind of get that hype and discussion surrounding it again. So when it's really going to come out, we'll all be ready and excited for it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I'm kind of the same way. Like, it's kind of been on the back burner for me. You know, I'm more looking forward to the Mandalorian. And of course, we've got squadrons and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out next year. And it is nice to kind of see, uh, you know, just some more news and stuff coming out about it just to kind of get us ramped up for that. Um, I mean, they released like an image of a new lightsaber, too, that looks pretty cool. And I think we talked about the uh, Yoda uh, concept art on our last one. Um I know, I mean, you guys know with me, I'm not one to necessarily dive in and read everything that they release anyways. Um, But I know for The High Republic, I'm definitely at least going to read the novel that Charles Sewell is writing and have that kind of be my jumping on point. And then if I'm like really invested in that era, then I'll probably check out the other stuff too. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that all kicks off in January now of next year. So we're actually getting pretty close to that too. Yeah, and I'm ready for another really good Star Wars novel. Seems like it's been a while <laughs> since I've read one. I think the last one that I really enjoyed was Master and Apprentice. I know it's not super long ago, but it feels like it has been. Because um, I got to say, I don't think we talked about this, but the, um, the Clone Wars novel that came out um, not too long ago, I've got the audiobook of that because it's something like a natural thing to get because you got the Clone Wars voice actors narrating the chapters in that story, which is really cool. But man, I'm really having a hard time getting into it. I've had it since it came out. I haven't even finished yet. It just feels like there's not enough new content in there that makes it where you're just solely invested. And it just makes you feel, I might as well just watch the episode again (laughs) than listening to a kind of like a 40-minute recap of the story and not get too much new information out of it. So it's kind of a disappointment. I was really looking forward to that. I haven't gotten to the totally brand new story in there. I'll definitely get to it, but it's just something that it was a new Star Wars book before. It just kind of let me down, sad to say, and it's surprising, actually. I mean, it's Clone Wars. You got the Clone Wars actors, but it's just, you know, not enough new stuff in there to separate it for you just watching the episode, and I think getting more entertainment out of that than listening to an audiobook version of it. So I'm definitely ready for some new Star Wars novels to come down our way. Yeah, and I mean, as much as I love Clone Wars, I haven't even bothered to pick that Clone Wars book up yet. Um, and I, I've heard people say good things about the audiobook and just how it's cool to have, like, James Arnold Taylor and Sam Witwer and those guys, like, narrating different stories. But um, yeah, I kind of felt... doing voices of other Clone Wars characters, which is funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that would be fun to check out. And maybe I will at some point, but... Again, like when I when it was first announced that there was a new Clone Wars book coming out, I was like, oh, that sounds like something I'm probably going to pick up. And especially when it was called Tales of Light and Dark and sounded like it was kind of like this anthology of a bunch of different Clone Wars stories. I was like, man, this could be a really cool opportunity for them to tell some of the stories from the episodes that didn't get produced 
Um, and the fact that it's basically just retelling a lot of episodes that we've seen already, I was like, eh, that's kind of disappointing. So, um, yeah, that one's not super high on my priority and, list. And of all episodes and stories to include in this book, why is Pursuit of Peace one of them? <laughs> right? Right. Uh, yeah, I, that had me rolling my eyes. I mean, they've got some good ones in there, too. Like, that alone isn't the reason why I oh, haven't definitely. picked it up yet. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I got was, a bar on there, which was yeah, if it, but I like, had to get through Pursuit of Peace before I got to Umbara. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I would just skip Pursuit of Peace to get to Umbara. But, I was tempted. I was like, I've n- never skipped anything over in a Star Wars content. I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one thing I'm at really least for the lo- first time. Yeah, I, I think one thing I'm really looking forward to with the High Republic though is. Um, having stories set in a time period where like the stories can have their own stakes and their own consequences and where you don't know what happens to the characters already. Um, and I feel like a lot of the novels and stuff that they've released so far, you know, in this Disney era have been, um, you know, things just kind of filling in the gaps in between the movies and it's all been, you know, either around the original trilogy time period or, um, in between six and seven, but I still feel like, see, I feel like there's still a lot of, like unexplored meaty story material in between six and seven that I would actually really want to read, especially around Luke Skywalker. Um, But the stories that they have told, I mean, there just hasn't been a lot that I'm like, Oh man, I definitely got to read that. It's like, okay, yeah, just more backstory about a character that I know already. I mean, we've got two Padme novels. We've got, you know, the Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan one. Um, And not to say that, you know, those aren't, good stories or people can't enjoy them. I mean, I haven't gotten around to reading a lot of those yet, but I'm sure I would probably enjoy at least some of them, but I'm definitely looking forward to something that can carve out its own niche, create its own characters and its own, um, you know, just story beats and, and villains and stakes. And, you know, you can dive into it, get attached to the characters and not already know what's going to happen to them. So, um, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it'll definitely be nice to have that type of reading experience um, in a Star Wars novel. Like you said, that we don't get too much of or haven't gotten too much of in the last few years. Yeah. Um, But that's pretty much it for news. Um, You know, it's been pretty quiet, but we're just about three. I think as of today, yeah, we're three weeks away from Mandalorian season two. So um, definitely looking forward to that. And obviously things will kick up again once that's out. But uh, let's get to talking about uh, squadrons. Um, I've finished the campaign. I know you were telling me where you were at and it sounds like you're almost through it. Um, and then I've spent a good bit of time with the multiplayer, Tim, I'm not sure how much time you spent on it, um, overall, but we did get to play for play together for a couple hours, uh, the other day. And that was really fun. Um, but what are just kind of your overall thoughts on the game so far? Yeah, I think it's living up to my expectations that I had for it. I was expecting it to be a fun kind of throwback to those old simulated Star Wars, or I should say flight simulator games that I played on the PC with Star Wars. And it reminded me so much of X-Wing versus TIE Fighter or X-Wing and TIE Fighter games. That's kind of what I was hoping for going into it. And right when I started playing it, it brought me back to those early or i should say early 90s it was like mid 90s at least when i was playing those type of games just when i got my first pc back in 96 or around 97 and 
super excited to play a Star Wars game where you get to be the Empire. X-Wing versus TIE Fighter was actually the first Star Wars game that I played where I got to be the Empire, and I was super excited about that. <laughs> and just really liking that style of gameplay. Well, now, it's not flight simulations aren't my favorite. I do prefer the more arcade style just because it is more fun and you get more action out of that, I think. But it was a style that I haven't played in a while, and it felt good to kind of go back to that and play it on a console because, as I said, I've only played those type of games on the PC back in the late to mid-90s. And it was fun. I really liked that. The way it, it controls and just even um, the targeting system of how it targets your enemies and how their hit points are on the screen, all that just reminded me of those um, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter games. And it was just fun to play that type of style again. And I really got to say, though, the graphics on the game are just really, really great. Um, the environment and the space battles look phenomenal. Even the character models, which actually kind of surprised me because you wouldn't expect there wouldn't be too many interactions with characters for a game that's just based on flight combat. But you, when you're in the hangar, whether you're on the Imperial side or the New Republic side, you are talking to different pilots and members of the organization or uh, the Empire or the New Republic. And their models look really good. It just made me think, man, this would make for a really cool like action-adventure type game in this style too, where uh, maybe a certain missions you're in uh, space combat and then you'd have some ground like shooter missions, but in that graphic style that you see the character models in the hangars, it all looks is really good. It's just a nice package of a game, really. Uh, I don't want to say small because it's not, but not your typical AAA title on that. Uh, we've come accustomed to a lot of games, including Star Wars. But this one was just, I'm going to say even it's a nice surprise because we didn't know much about this game until a few months ago that it's out. I think it's living up to the expectations that I've had for it, where it's going to be a nice different type of Star Wars game that we haven't played in a while, especially on consoles that's just based on space combat. And it is really fun to play. And it's not going to be the type of game where it's, quick and easy to pick up and you're automatically an ace pilot that's not what these flight simulation games are and i am a testament to that i am not good <laughs> as <laughs> kyle will attest to in the few matches we played <laughs> the other day online and even but at the same time it's not something where you just get extremely frustrated and you just don't want to play it anymore you still have a good time while you're playing it and even if multiplayer is not your thing i'm really enjoying the story mode i think the missions are a nice balance of a challenge, but not being over frustrating and too difficult. And it gives you a nice explanation and tutorials on what to do and how to complete your missions uh, for someone who's not familiar with these type of flight simulations. It's a really, really nice package. And I'm digging the story. Like you said, I haven't finished yet. And I'm really liking the characters, too, that are on both sides that you're playing with on the New Republic. Characters like uh, Gunny and I think his name is is it Griff or Griff Frisk? The, I think the so James Arnold Taylor's Trandoshan character. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Frisk. Frisk, yeah, he's a fun character. And then on the Imperial side, you got some cool characters too. Um, you got the character who was in the that CG trailer, um, which I loved, and I was glad to see him as part of your squadron. And then you got this new character named Shen, who is just a Tie Fighter pilot who never removes his helmet. Probably not the best pilot because he talks about how he gets shot down a lot, and he has to have a lot of cybernetic enhancements <laughs> applied to him because of his wounds but he has a really cool vo vo voice 
mm-hmm. amongst that in that helmet that has a cool effect and kind of like almost like a little general grievous because he is coughing a lot too <laughs> yeah true a little too long so i am digging the characters the story is really cool if i do have one complaint about the story it's just that uh motive they just couldn't resist putting an imperial defector into the story as one of their characters <laughs> like right away and I, I would classify that even as a spoiler because it's very early in the game and right when that character starts talking i knew right away up oh, he's not going to last long in the empire just by his tone the way he's questioning certain things he's he's gonna be on the rebel side and that happens right at the get-go and like okay not quite as bad as i think how battlefront 2 handled it but it's still something that maybe go, oh, they just can't resist doing that. You always got to have one of those characters in these games. But still, it doesn't take away from the overall story. It just made me kind of uh, just think to myself, oh, they, they're doing it again. But other than that, I'm enjoying the story mode. I'm looking forward to finishing finishing it and see how the story wraps up, what happens to these characters, because I'm not sure. And I probably wouldn't suspect all of them to survive and see which ones do. And you need to play some multiplayer matches and do some customization for your ships and characters. So yeah, well, I'm having a real good time with it. Um, and like I said, living up to expectations, I wouldn't say it's exceeding them or they fell below expectations. It was just pretty much exactly what I was hoping for, for a new star Wars game that's based around flight combat and just has a $40 price tag attached to it. So I think it's a really nice package that we're getting with this game. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and actually, I mean, you guys know, we've talked about this, over the past couple months leading up to this. And I kind of had low expectations for it, um, which surprised me because like in, you know, like I've said before in battlefront two, like starfighter assault is my favorite game mode. And I love flying in there and I love, you know, just space combat and star Wars in general. Um, and so you would think that a, a whole game that just revolves around starfighter combat would have been my jam. Um, but I don't know. The trailers didn't get me super excited. The you know the fact that the game was only forty dollars like made me just think that there wasn't going to be much to it. Um, the fact that it was Motive who did the Battlefront Two campaign, I was like, eh, I don't know if the story mode is going to be good. Um, but of course, it's a Star Wars game. I'm going to give it a try anyways. And I had heard some early reviews that were fairly positive on it, so I thought, well, let me jump in and give it a try. And yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it. Um, I finished the campaign. Um, and I, you know, I won't give away spoilers or tell you how it ends or anything, but I, overall, I was pretty impressed with it. Um, like you said, I, I think its biggest strength is its characters. You know, obviously you get to play, uh, kind of, it's kind of cool the way the perspective shifts where like you're playing kind of the same storyline, but playing the, the, uh, new Republic and the Imperial side of this conflict where, um, you know, all these characters are kind of in the same space and fighting the same battles, but you're kind of switching the perspective between um, Vanguard Squadron and Titan Squadron and, and flying different missions almost against yourself in a way. Um, but it's cool just getting to see the two different perspectives. It's getting to, it's cool getting to just get to know the different characters on both sides. Um, I think my favorites are probably some of the same ones you mentioned, like Frisk, the uh, the Trandoshan on the Rebel side, who's played by James Arnold Taylor. He's really fun. Um, Shen is super cool. Um, yeah, that guy with the the um, I don't know cybernetic voice. Um, but there's also uh, this girl Keo on your Rebel squad, who's like a like a young like former street racer. Um, 
and she's pretty cool. There's there's some cool aspects to her character that I won't give away. Um, and then I, I do like too on the Imperial side how it kind of humanizes them more and you get to kind of see how just sort of like why these people believe in the empire and like what their mm-hmm. goals are. There's uh, one in one of the Imperial pilots in your squad, like the whole reason she's doing this is to try to gain sort of power and influence so that she can try to help reinstate the Imperial Senate that Palpatine disbanded because she thinks that's the only way to keep order in this lawless galaxy. I mean, obviously now Palpatine's gone and you have all these warring Imperial factions and things are kind of thrown into chaos. And she's like, well, you know, Palpatine disbanding the Senate was a mistake because if he was gone, but the Senate was still here, they could still be keeping things in control. And so um, it's just cool to see, uh, you know, just some of those different sides in the conflict. Um, there's also, uh, there's like a rebel pilot on your team who her family is Imperial, but she wanted to join the rebels cause she just couldn't get on board with that. It's actually, it's funny cause I was looking up the cast to see, um, just who all the voice actors were because some of them sounded familiar. Um, but her name's uh, Grace um, is the one on your squad. And they don't really, I don't think they ever say her last name in the game. But when I looked up like the credits list, it's Grace uh, Sinar. So she's like the daughter of the family that owns Sinar fleet systems that builds like the TIE fighters and stuff for the Empire. So I was like, oh, that's a cool little connection that I wouldn't even have known if I didn't read the credits list. So um, yeah, definitely fun characters. Um, and I mean, the story is pretty simple and straightforward. Um, although it is kind of a cool reversal where it's like the rebels are the ones building this big secret weapon and the Imperials are trying to find out about it. Um, and it's not anything on the level of like, oh, this feels like another Death Star. Like it's kind of smaller scale and the story itself kind of feels smaller scale. It's just a conflict between these two uh these two squadrons um there's characters on both sides that kind of know each other and have a history and so there's you know some kind of interpersonal conflict there but this is not one of those big stories with high stakes where the fate of the galaxy is on the line um because again it's set during the original trilogy time period we already know that the rebels win you know they're not trying to overthrow palpatine or vader or anything like that but i think they do a good enough job of still getting you invested in um just like I said, in these characters and their motivations and just this kind of smaller conflict that's going on. Um, and of course you get like Hera in there and uh, a couple other characters that we know from the new canon. So um, yeah, overall I thought it was good. I thought it was a lot better than the Battlefront 2 campaign. I know you were annoyed with the whole Imperial Defector thing, but I didn't mind it. I mean, just because it's something that we've seen before. I thought in this case it was actually done well and was like a good sort of backstory for this one particular character who ends up being an important character on the rebel side through the whole game. Um, And it wasn't because, you know, because obviously this was marketed like you get to see the, the story from the rebellion side and the Imperial side and they deliver on that. It would be one thing if all of Titan squadron defected halfway through and then you just played as the rebels for the whole game. Cause that's what you did in battlefront. They really hyped it up. Yeah. Like you're finally going to get to play a campaign where your protagonist is Imperial and you get to see things from the Imperial perspective. And then three missions in, it's like, nah, never mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I think not on that level. I think even though you had one defector in this, um, it still did a good job of of representing both of those factions well. So, um, yeah, the story for me was surprisingly good. Um, again, nothing 
earth shaking you know there's not really any like huge plot twists or anything that changes the course of the star wars galaxy or anything like that but it's a it's a fun solid story about fighter pilots um and then as for the multiplayer um and just sort of like the gameplay in general and stuff i mean like you said i was kind of worried that this was just gonna feel like a almost like a smaller scale version of Battlefront. Because what I love about the Starfighter Assault and Battlefront is like, it's easy to just jump in and play. Like the ship controls aren't super complicated or anything, but you get to feel like you're taking place in these big space battles where it's like 20 on 20 and you have objectives where you're attacking capital ships and all that kind of stuff. Um, and this, I was like, well, now it's just scaling it down to like five on five. Like, is it just going to feel, you know, smaller scale and not as fun, but it is still pretty intense. Um, the gameplay is a lot of fun. And I, I like that it's, it's like the same basic controls as flying in battlefront. And so, you know, for anybody, like if you're wondering how this kind of plays or feels and you've played starfighter assault and battlefront two, and I'm sure it's probably similar to a lot of other flight sim games as well. I just haven't played a lot of other ones, but um, just the basic layout of like, your button for for shooting and which sticks are like throttle and turn and and all that kind of stuff is all the same and all feels familiar but then there's extra controls for like toggling power between your shields and your weapons and putting your shields in the front or the back or like all this just stuff that um where you can really kind of customize the experience and and pull different maneuvers and and kind of strategize in the heat of battle um and it can be a little overwhelming at first, um, but I think, and like you said, the campaign really does kind of help you acclimate to that and um, kind of ease you into it. And then once you jump into the multiplayer, you kind of feel like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing. Um, it definitely is difficult. And, you know, Tim, you were saying I could attest to you not being that great at it. Well, I think the couple of matches that we played... Um, I did do pretty good. I, I think, well, actually, I don't think it was even with you the first time I played multiplayer, but the first time I jumped in, I got like seven kills and only like two deaths in my first match. And I was like, oh, heck yeah, I'm awesome at this, just like I am at Battlefront. I've had some matches yeah, where I've not got surprised by that, <laughs> but I've had some matches where I've gotten destroyed, um, especially in. So there's the dogfight mode, which is just 5v5, like a death match in, you know, team death match with ships. Um, and those I do pretty well at, but then there's also fleet battles, which is a bigger scale <laughs> mode where, yeah, there's also AI ships and you have to, it starts out like dogfight, but as you destroy enemy ships, you gain momentum that lets you push to the next phase. And then you're having to take out frigates and capital ships and stuff. And I just get wrecked in fleet battles. Um, Man, it took us so long to, I mean, we didn't even complete a mission when we were first trying it that day, or it was about like an hour or something. Yeah, well, I think we did. Destroyed. Yeah, and well, and we were only doing it against AI. We, You and I teamed up and did like the co-op fleet battle versus AI on easy mode and like yeah. lost <laughs> both times. Um, I had to do it in solo mode and I finally won one. Um, and again, that's like, there's an option to just play against AI and that easy AI was not that easy. Um, but then since then I've played it a couple times against, you know, just other people and I don't think I've won one yet. Um, and I mean, I'm not like terrible at it, but I definitely have not done as well in fleet battles as I have in, uh, in dogfights. I think one thing that's really punishing is the AI ships, especially like the uh the corvettes and the frigates and stuff that fly around and like have turrets on them those things will destroy you like 
and again, comparing it to like Battlefront, um, you know, if you're flying at an enemy ship that has auto turrets on it or something, I mean, they'll occasionally do some damage to you. Every once in a while, if your health is low, you might get finished off and, you know, get picked off by a stray shot from a, a Star Destroyer turret or something like that. But with these, like you fly close to these things and they'll take you down in seconds if you don't get out of there quick or have your shields up mm-hmm. or whatever. So, um, you know, I'm I'm still trying to to master my my hit and run tactics on those because it's like I do pretty well fighting against the other people, but then I'm like, okay, I I took the enemy down. Now I'm going to go attack the star destroyer, and I'm dead. You know, it's like I don't know. It's yeah. it's definitely tough. There's a learning curve there, but um, that's that's really where you got to pay attention to where you want to focus your like shields, have your shields full power, front shields up, like diverting power to that. <laughs> that's where mm-hmm. all that. Time comes into play where you wouldn't normally have to worry about that in these arcade style type uh, star wars flight games yeah definitely but at the same time you know makes it more challenging that's kind of part of the fun of it too which you know that's cool that we have these different styles of games the more arcade and the more simulated ones which is again is why that it's been a while since we had a game like that and it makes it kind of refreshing when you're playing it uh, to have those options there because at least for me anyway it's been a while since i played any type of game that was like that yeah no definitely same for me and i mean i didn't really grow up playing like the x-wing and tie fighter games i was pretty young when those came out um and so this is kind of a first for me i mean i know a lot of people have said that it's reminiscent of those type of games and i'm aware of them and i've seen like footage of it and stuff but i've never played those and so um yeah i i think you know i like where this sort of fits in in the current offering of star wars games that we have because again my biggest fear was that it was just going to feel like battlefront but with you know obviously only ships and more complicated controls and less people in the match which didn't sound like fun but i think they've done a good job of um yeah making it kind of feel like its own thing um while at the same time because the other thing i was like well if this is really good then you know i'm going to be upset if like nobody wants to play battlefront anymore because this is the superior flight experience because the other thing i love about battlefront is that you can play in all three eras and you can play hero ships and and all that kind of stuff um but i think there's room for it to for both of them to exist side by side um and the other thing too like i definitely think it was smart of them to put a 40 dollars price tag on this game and i'm definitely satisfied with the amount of content that there is in the game for the $40, but there are only two multiplayer modes with just six maps. Um, and so like, I'm still having fun with it right now, but I don't know if this is the kind of thing that I'm going to keep playing for years and years in the future. Um, and so, you know, I'll probably bounce back and forth between this and battlefront. And, um, I definitely don't think that this, you know, I don't think it's necessarily like inferior to it, but I also don't think it replaces it. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're two separate experiences that are both very enjoyable. So, um, yeah, I think this is, uh, it was kind of, came kind of as a pleasant surprise for me and maybe it was just because I had my expectations set kind of low, but I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, same here. And like you said, it's probably not something that you're going to keep going back to like we did with Battlefront, especially I know you and Paul has played a lot more Battlefront than I did, mm-hmm. <laughs> but cause they already said how they're not going to have any new content added to it. They're pretty adamant about how what you're paying for is what you're getting in the game. Like that's it. And so I wouldn't expect 
much or if any DLC content expanding errors and ships and all that type of stuff. You're kind of going to get what you have in the game right now. Maybe they'll add some more customization options uh, because those are fun to customize your ship and your character. But I wish there was a little more options to customize your character um, because you pretty much just get to choose your face and a hairstyle. That's all in one. You can't like choose a face here, then choose if you want long hair, short hair, facial hair, anything like that. You're just kind of stuck with the different options they have on there. So I wish that was a little more robust. But there are still some fun options for your ships as far as colorings, logos, and the cool little uh, trinkets you could put in there. Stuff to hang in the cockpit, the bobbleheads, some of holograms. So all that stuff's pretty fun. There's not a lot of it, but it's still something that I think will keep you going playing multiplayer to get the points to try to buy that stuff um, in there to customize your ship exactly the way you want. Yeah, definitely. Um, and from what I've seen so far, it, it seems like it will take you quite a bit of playing time to uh, gain all the, the currency that you need to unlock all that stuff. Because um, you seem to gain experience, not at a slow rate, but it's like you, you know, you have this currency that you use to unlock those upgrades and stuff, and you get some every time you reach a new level. But um, I mean, it takes maybe like two, at least for me, it takes like two or three matches at least at this point before you know before i level up um and i think i'm maybe like level 12 or something in the multiplayer but um yeah it's pretty fun i mean i i like the customization options that they've got in there too that's actually one of the criticisms that i've heard in the game is that people think oh it's kind of useless because like you don't get close you don't really get close enough to other people to see like notice the detail on their ships or something like that um but i found that like i've kind of noticed that i mean you do see kind of like an intro cutscene with your squad when you are joining yeah. into a battle and so you see the deco on on everybody's ships on your team um and i've gotten close enough to a few tie fighters to be like oh hey that's a cool paint job right before i shoot them down um and then as <laughs> as far as uh customizing your pilot like yeah obviously you're not going to see the the face of the pilot in the ship that you're shooting down but even there like you see everybody's avatar like on the the victory screen at the end and you know you have like victory poses and stuff but also um before the game once you like um equip your your ship loadout and all that kind of stuff that you want to do then it kind of puts you like in a briefing room and you can see your character and like the characters of all the other people in your squad and you can do emotes at each other and stuff and so um that's kind of fun again you know it's not mm -hmm. amazing and it's not um you know i don't know it, it's just part of this nice little package and i like everything they've that they've got in there i think all the customization options are pretty cool um and of course there's no microtransactions, so it doesn't feel like they're trying to to gauge money out of you or anything like that um but uh yeah and uh, you know, like you said, they they have announced that there's not going to be any DLC. I think it definitely could do with maybe a couple more maps or it would even be cool to see like if they added a fifth ship at some point, because right now on the um, the rebel side, mm -hmm. you've got X-Wings, A-Wings, Y-Wings and U-Wings. And then on the Imperial side, you got TIE Fighter, TIE Interceptor, TIE Bomber and the TIE Reaper. Um, but of course, you could add like a B-Wing and a TIE Defender. Um, and that would be pretty cool. I'm just saying, gotta be number one if they're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> just saying they've, they've got <laughs> options for stuff they could add. Although also flying a B wing in first person would be really hard. Cause you know, then the whole rest of your ship is like way off to your right or left and you'd probably end up uh -huh. crashing into all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Um, that was the other thing too. And, you know, honestly, actually when I first started playing the game, 
for my first couple hours, I was like, eh, I'm not sure if I'm loving this. Like, I got the game the day it came out. I played it for, like, a couple hours before going to work. Um, and I was like, eh, this is fun, but I don't know if I'm loving it. But, you know, I'll come back to it later and see. And then when I got home from work and played some more, I was, you know, I don't know if it was just that I got more experienced with it or that I was enjoying that part of the campaign more, if it just kind of picked up more after the first couple missions, but I started really enjoying it. Um, but I think one thing that kind of took me a while to get used to was that first person perspective. Um, I mean, again, going back to battlefront, yeah, especially like it, in a tie fighter. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh gosh. Yeah. The, being first person in a tie fighter just feels claustrophobic. Um, actually my favorite ship to use in the game is the a wing, both because it's fast and has good firepower, but also because it has the most unobstructed cockpit and you can see the most out mm -hmm. of it. But, um, yeah, I think the that's probably part of part of it too. Is like I think the first couple missions you're in a Tie Fighter and just you know flying a Tie Fighter in first person. I was like not enjoying this, but um, again, just comparing it to Battlefront, like you have the option to play in first person or third person, and I always do third person, especially in space, because first of all, I like being able to see my ship. Like it's just kind, of, you know, it makes it feel more like you're in a space battle in star Wars. When you see like your X-wing shooting down a tie fighter, um, it's like you're watching a scene, but also playing it at the same time. Um, but also just that spatial awareness. And I like being able to see kind of like what's more to your sides and stuff like that. So the first person took me a while to kind of get used to, but, um, you know, I think I've played enough that that doesn't really bother me anymore. Yeah, it's definitely something you get used to, but it's especially in a TIE fighter, because um, when I play certain games that give you the option to be first person or third person, including Battlefront, when I'm in a rebel ship like an X-Wing or an A-Wing or a Y-Wing, I would kind of go back and forth between first person and third person. But on the Imperial side, always third person, because that TIE fighter cockpit, man, <laughs> like you said, it's claustrophobic. It's just you don't get the best angle and views on certain things, but yeah. you really got to rely on your navigation and targeted computer <laughs> when you're in a TIE fighter cockpit. So um, as much as I love playing Imperials in the Empire, I will say once you got into the later or after the first few missions and you were in an X-Wing, it just felt so much more comfortable. It just felt so right <laughs> piloting that X-Wing after a TIE fighter. But um, in the Imperial missions are still fun. I, I wouldn't say I prefer one over the other as far as when you're playing the New Republic or the Empire. Each mission has their fun aspects of it. But there is no comparison as far as um, feeling the most comfortable between a TIE fighter and some of the Rebels slash New Republic ships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Rebels all day for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that's, that's just kind of some initial, th well, I say initial thoughts. I mean, we gave a good, like 20 minute review on that, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure, like Not I said, we'll, thoughts on the story and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it some more. Obviously next time we have Paul on and I mean, he's got it in VR, which I've heard that. Yeah. I can't in, wait to hear his experience on that. Yeah. <laughs> I hear great things about it yeah i mean and in general i feel like this game's been getting pretty good reviews and i i think the consensus that i've heard across the board is that in overall the game is pretty good but if you play it in vr it's fantastic and like one of the best star wars gaming experiences out there so um it'd be cool to hear uh what paul has to say on that and then hopefully you know if you guys have finished the story by then we can talk about that all that more in depth um but uh yeah, for now, I think 
you know, that's that's our initial review on Star Wars Squadrons. But like I said, in the spirit of a new Star Wars video game release, um, let's v- revisit some of our all-time favorites and do a top five uh, Star Wars video games ranking. Um, so uh, I guess, Tim, I'll let you go ahead and kick it off. I think as we normally do when we do some of these ranking episodes, we're going to do uh, we'll do like a couple of honorable mentions and throw those out first. Um, so you have any, uh, honorable mentions you want to get out of the way before we get into our top five? I'll be my honorable mentions. I actually have another category I want to talk about real quick. Two Star Wars games that have a bad reputation, but aren't actually that bad in my opinion. <laughs> I just want to get <laughs> okay. out there and show a little love to them because I know they don't get a lot. First of all, we're kind of talking about it earlier. Uh, we're, before we started recording, I'm going to throw Star Wars Super Bomb Bad Racing in there. That has a bad reputation as being a knockoff Mario Kart clone with Star Wars characters. That's not. And believe me, it, it is no Mario Kart. That is for sure. But it had its charm. And it was fun when I played it on the PS2 back in the day. Just, it was ba- pretty much all based on Episode 1 characters because that was the only prequel movie that was out at the time. But you could unlock Darth Vader and Boba Fett later on. But I mean, it, it was super style characters with you know big heads in these small carts it had a quirky little uh, animation style to it but i did like the level designs that you got to play through naboo had a really cool level where you're going through the planet's core underwater which was fun and the certain special moves that each character would have i, I had fun with it for back in those early playstation 2 days of having not too many star wars games but having one that's kind of based on a real fun game like mario kart it had its charm and i actually liked it so that's one of them and the other one was before that back in 2000 for the first playstation star wars jedi power battles this was uh kind of it could be a two-player co-op game just an action kind of hack and slash game where you choose different jedi knights Obviously, Old Phantom Menace was the only prequel movie out, so you got to choose between Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, Plo Koon, Mace Windu, um, Adi Gallia. And this is where the lightsaber colors weren't firmly established. So Plo Koon had a yellow lightsaber. Mace Windu had a blue lightsaber. Adi Gallia had a, uh, a blue, kind of like a, not a red Sith lightsaber, kind of like a crimson type uh, color to her saber. So, but this game has a bad rap for awkward controls and not a repetitive gameplay style and the controls aren't perfect but i don't think it was nearly as bad as everyone made it out to be it was mainly the platforming sections where you had to jump from different platforms to platform that can get pretty frustrating and showed the uh, poor control design in that area but when you're just doing the hack and slash and performing your combos as jedi knights um, it was really fun i remember playing it through with my brother i was obi-wan he was qui-gon and just reliving some of those uh, moments from phantom minutes with obi-wan and qui-gon in the beginning during the trade federation droid ship reliving that cool action sequence in the game back in that day was it was lots of fun so i did enjoy that game for what it was at that time if you're to go back and play it now i'm sure it doesn't hold up especially the graphics on the playstation one you'd probably got the character <laughs> the graphic design that's so blocky now but i did have a good time playing that game and i didn't think it deserved its bad reputation that it had it was just a fun cool uh game to play with your friends uh for a hack and slash adventure set in the events of the phantom menace so those are two games i just wanted to show a little love that don't normally get shown some love <laughs> amongst the star wars video game community so those are two there but for my official honorable mentions i'm going to give one um, now, this one, 
doesn't have the greatest reputation either, but I think it's a legitimately fun game to play, and I had great memories playing it. This was the first Star Wars game I played on a PC, and it was Star Wars Rebel Assault 2. Now, this is one of those games. Now, hear me out. I will acknowledge the cutscenes are awful. No, no, no. Live action film. I'll I'll talk about this in a second when when you're done talking about it. The reason I went wow is not because oh wow that's terrible, but go ahead. Okay, I fully acknowledge the voice acting is terrible in there, but I really had fun with those gameplay that flying in the different ships. I mean, the first mission you do, you're in a B wing. We're just talking about how much we want to fly B wings. I think Rebel Assault Two is one of the few games that lets you fly a B wing. And it's fun. Now, this is a definition of an arcade-style space combat game. You're basically on rails, shooting down the enemy TIE fighters that come your way. But during the time, the graphics blew me away. It was just some of the best-looking Star Wars graphics I've seen. And despite the bad acting and voice dub, I think, for some of those actors in the cutscene, I still love seeing Stormtroopers, TIE fighters, X-Wings kind of in live action well, not going to say it's like getting into live action Star Wars movie, but during that time around, this was 95, 96, where the special editions were a gear away, the prequels, you were just hearing whispers about them. So this was kind of some legit new Star Wars content that I was experiencing other than the original trilogy uh, for the first time in a long time. So I was eating it up. So I love the space combat of it. Even the shooting missions were, were pretty fun. You'd have to duck and cover and wait for the stormtroopers to come out. And I, I got to go back and look at the graphics. It's been a while since I've seen it. I'm sure they don't hold up well. But like I said, I just remember being blown away that I'm playing a Star Wars game that looks this good and having fun with it, too. I was like the first game I'm playing on my PC. So a lot of it is probably nostalgia based for me while I'm having it as one of my honorable mentions. But I feel I have to because it is one of the Star Wars games that I played the most of. I replayed this game to death so i felt i have to i had to throw it in there as an honorable mention because it's just a big part of my star wars gaming experience but now i want to hear why you had that wow when i mentioned it yeah no you know what that game was also a huge part of my star wars gaming experience you said that was the first star wars game you ever played on pc that was the first star wars game i ever played period um oh nice (laughs) and i didn't even realize this came out in 1995 i was four years old when that came out i don't know when my dad actually got it or how old i was when i actually played it for the first time but i definitely have memories of playing this as a young young kid so i I mean he might have got me into this when i was like five six seven um and and he had a a joystick for the pc and so i remember flying that b-wing and but there was one mission where you had to like you could fly the millennium falcon and you had to fly through there was Mm -hmm. like one level where you had to fly through some tunnels and there was another one where you had to like fly through this canyon and of course as a kid when you want to turn left or right you just jerk the stick and i would crash into the walls and (laughs) i remember my dad telling me he would always tell me little movements little movements and you know just trying to get me to be subtle on that stick and you know just navigate without yanking the ship one way or the other so i have a lot of good memories Dude, of playing the, that the game tie fighter mission in the canyon that's one where oh that's what it was really it was a tie fighter not yeah, yeah 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 no that was hard but i mean i i got through yep. it um but yeah i mean honestly i didn't put that on put that on my honorable mentions just because it's been so long since i've played it but when you brought that up i was like wow that's a blast from my past 
<laughs> okay, cool. I guess you had some good experiences with it like I had. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I know it gets, it gets some flack. Not a lot of flack that I've seen for some of the other games I talked about, but it's not one of the highly regarded Star Wars video games. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I've heard from older fans that it doesn't have the best reputation or, uh, you know, and I'm sure if I went back and played it now, I, I'm sure I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. And I'm sure the graphics don't hold up all that well and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, that'll always hold a special place in my heart as just being the first Star Wars game that I ever played as a kid and having a lot of fun, you know, blasting the stormtroopers and, and flying those ships through those tight canyons and all that stuff. So good pick. Yeah. Now I want to go play it again. (laughs) (laughs) Probably wouldn't be able to run on any PC now, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> at least look at, at least watch some YouTube videos. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of those out there. But my next honorable mention is going to be one that was a game for the PlayStation two and the GameCube. And this one I'm picking as my honorable mention mainly for its story because I love the story and the gameplay was fun too, but that doesn't quite hold up as well. And this is going to be star Wars bounty hunter. And boy, did I was I super excited for this game when it came out and just fell in love with it right away. This came out, I believe, in the fall of 2002. So not too long after Attack of the Clones and just, you know, getting a game centered on Django Fed. I mean, sign me up (laughs) where you collect bounties and it's a cool third person action game. But I love about it and still to still do to this day is the story. And I wish it was still canon because I really think it's the perfect story of setting up of how Django was chosen to be the main clone template and having it be this competition set up by Count Dooku for for any bounty hunter to take up to try to take down uh, this organization called the Bendogora, if I remember right. And this character who now here's where I'm kind of I need to refresh myself with it. She's definitely a force sensitive character, but I can't remember if she was someone who was a Jedi and left the order or someone who was just force sensitive and kind of causing trouble and might throw a little wrench into Palpatine's ultimate plan. And so he needed to take her off the board and felt this was the perfect opportunity to see, you know, who would be up to this task and would make a great template for my upcoming clone army. So I just liked how it all synced together. There are some really great cutscenes. I think those actually still hold up today. And the fact that Temuar Morrison did the voice of Django Fett was fantastic feel legit like this was part of the main star wars canon at the time and i just think some really good character moments between uh jango and zam wessel showed how their relationship got started and it kind of made you feel bad that he had to take her out in attack of the clones because they felt like they had a really good bond you get the reason why he wanted um an altered clone which resulted in boba fett so all this stuff that we knew about Jango's character in episode two. We got the answers to in this story, and I thought it really answered them in a very satisfying way. So I really love the story in this game. It was fun at the time, but a few months ago, I got it on the PlayStation 4. They had it up on stuff like Fork, so I had to get it. I tried replaying the first two levels, and the controllers, you can definitely tell <laughs> they're not quite up to snuff as far as what modern games are. Not quite as tight. It's still playable, but... It can definitely be a lot smoother and better uh, controlled um, if you were to develop it uh, today. So that was a little disappointing, but I think it's worth playing just to experience the story because I really, really love it. And until we get an official 
new canon story of how Django was chosen to be the clone template, this one is still that story in my head canon until it's contradicted mm-hmm. otherwise. But I really loved it. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, and honestly, I've never played that game, but um, you know, I've I've read the story, I've seen, I'm sure I've seen some of the cutscenes like on YouTube and stuff. Um, and it does seem like a really cool origin story for Django Fett and one that hasn't been contradicted yet. And so if you want to still kind of take that as your own canon, you know, there's no reason not to. Um, and that's kind of what I've heard too, is that the story is really good, that it's cool being able to just play as Django Fett and use all his bounty hunter weapons and gadgets and stuff. But the main issue that people had with it was the controls. Um, unfortunately I never got to play that one because it, like you said, it only came out for the PlayStation and the GameCube and I've always been an Xbox guy. Um, but that's always been one of those ones that I wish I had had the chance to play back in the day, but this is fun. Cause so far your honorable mentions are completely different from mine. And I'm interested to see what our, our lists are going to look like. Um, yeah. <laughs> and see, you know, cause like there are a few star Wars games that I feel like are on most people's top tens, but also depending on like how old you are and how long you've been playing video games, you know, you might have some older ones on there that I've never played before. So, um, this will be fun, but before we uh, jump into the list, I'll do my uh, my honorable mentions here. I actually decided to add one more. I had two, and then while you were talking, I thought of a third one, and I was like, well, if Tim added his own category and really gave like four honorable mentions, <laughs> I'll give three here. So Pretty much. <laughs> my first one um, is going to be Star Wars Episode One Racer, and this is one that Nice. I just spent a ton of time playing as a kid. Um, I actually got to replay it with my sister recently. She got it on the Nintendo Switch, and she came up and uh, hung out with me, and we played that for a good chunk of a Saturday. Um, and that one still holds up pretty still well. Need to get that. Yeah, the the new like remastered version that they did that holds up pretty well. Like it's not a mm-hmm. remake. The graphics still look like N sixty four graphics, but like sort of polished up if that makes sense like it's 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 definitely not retextured it's not hd it's not any of that kind of stuff but it's like optimized or whatever it's like for, up the resolution on it yeah right? yeah yeah exactly yeah it's, so it's not it doesn't look like crap like i've tried i've tried plugging an n64 into an hd tv before and it does not look good oh, but boy. <laughs> um no this looks uh you know, it definitely looks presentable, at least. And the controls are still a lot of fun. And it's just fun getting to play as all these different colorful cast of characters. Um, I mean, there are still pod racers that you barely see walk by in, in the, the racing scenes of The Phantom Menace. Um, or you see their pod racer, like, off in the corner of a wide shot, but they're not really mentioned by name or anything. And I know exactly who they are because I remember them all from the video game. From, you know, Fud Sang to Arc Bumpy Roost to Aldar Beto, like... <laughs> we just had so much fun playing with all those guys. And I, I like, well, we, we had it on PC. Um, so I never got to actually play against my dad or my sister, but we all played it on the computer and we would all take turns and watch each other. And, you know, so that was just, that was a big part of my childhood around the time that episode one came out. Um, so that was a lot of fun and I'm glad that it's still playable nowadays. Um, my second honorable mention is going to be uh star Wars, the old Republic, the MMO. This actually, so wow. when, I, see, I'm saying wow because I'm surprised it's not in your top five. <laughs> right. And and well, this is the one I was telling you. This actually was going to be my number five pick, and I bumped it down to an honorable mention. Um, so I played this game a lot between so it came out in 2011, and I basically played it. Well, I think I played it right when it came out, and then I stopped for a little while, and then I got back into it around either like 
2012 or 2013 and pretty much played it nonstop up until 2015 when Battlefront came out. Like that's basically the last time I really was hardcore into the Old Republic. Um but I finished, you know, there's eight different story character stories you can play in the game and I finished most of them. I had a character in all eight classes. I don't think I finished all of the stories, but um, you know, I had a guild that I was in with my main Jedi character and I would do all the raids and all that kind of stuff. And I loved it. I loved the, the character customization. I loved all the stories and the companion characters and I loved playing with a guild. And I mean, initially when they announced the game, I was like, man, I just want another KOTOR game. I don't want to have to do an MMO and, you know, deal with other people and all that kind of stuff. But I ended up really enjoying the social aspect of it and being in a guild and getting to chat with other people and do raids together and all that kind of stuff or operations, I guess they call them in that game. The reason that I bumped this down to an honorable mention is that they made some changes to the game in recent years. Um, and when wow. I say recent years, I think this actually was an update that happened in 2015, like right before I started, right before I stopped playing it. And I actually came back to the game. I played it again briefly, maybe back in like 2018 or 2019. I started a new character and started playing a little bit. And I still really enjoy it. Um, but I think they've really kind of hurt the single player experience in order to sort of favor the multiplayer. And it's like, because there's, you know, because they were still adding new content to the end game and, you know, it felt like they were just trying to rush to get everybody up to speed. It's like, Hey, this game has been out for a while now. So if you're a new player, just coming into it, we'll make it really easy for you to progress through the story. So you can just get to the end and join a guild and do all the high level stuff. But as someone who really appreciates like single player story games and, and Bioware games, it was like it felt disappointingly easy, um, especially like they would they increase the amount of experience you get from just doing story missions, because obviously like there's your main story missions that you can do. But then there's also like side missions and, and bonus group missions and all that kind of stuff. But basically now it's like you can stay at the level you're supposed to be at as you progress through the game if you just do the story missions. And if you stop and do all the bonus missions and the group flashpoints and all that kind of stuff, you're going to be like way over leveled and it's just going to be way too easy. Um, but they also made it so that like um, – you know, you're so and obviously every Bioware game and a lot of RPGs are like this, where you have companion characters that kind of join you along your your quest and you, um, you know, they have a role in the story, but you also take them with you in combat and you can equip gear on them and they fill their own different gear roles and stuff like that. Um, and they changed it so that you could make any companion character you wanted, like fulfill any role. Like initially, you know, you'd have one character mm -hmm. that was a healer and one that was a tank and one that was a damage dealer and stuff. And then they changed it. So they're like, you know what? If you want to have this one character with you for the entire story, we'll let you do that. And if you want to make them a healer because you need a healer and you're dying a lot, you can do that too. And so it just felt – and then also your companion's gear would just like – again you used to have to like any extra gear that you had you would equip it on your companions well now it was like oh your companion stats just like scale with you as you level up and their gear is just going to stay the same and you don't have to equip stuff on them basically again trying to just like strip it down and streamline it and make it more focused on the story and taking all the sort of customization and like those single player rpg elements out of it but as someone who really appreciates that stuff that was really disappointing for me i don't want to play a game that has a good story but feels way too easy um 
And I mean, you know, imagine playing Mass Effect if you could like take Garrus with you the whole time, but make him a biotic or a, a you know, have a, <laughs> a Krogan shotgun or whatever. You know, it's like having uh-huh. like having the characters fulfill certain combat roles feels like a part of their character within the story. You know what I mean? Like if I've got a, a big buff Jedi dude with a lightsaber, I don't want to make him a healer or give him a blaster pistol. Like, you know, so that was kind of disappointing for me. Um, and that's why that game got bumped down from my number five spot to an honorable mention, even though I've had a lot of fun playing that game and still would maybe like to get back into it at some point. It's always one of those things that I always think, eh, someday I'll go back to that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like the this, the story elements of it aren't quite as enjoyable as they used to be because of that, or at least the, the sort of single player experience of that multiplayer game. Um, and lastly, my last honorable mention is going to be um, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Um, this one, I kind oh, of... Oh, that's a nice one. Yeah, and I, I thought of this while you were talking about the ones that you know people don't give enough credit to. I think this one, it doesn't have a bad rap. I just think it's kind of... Um, this flies under the radar, I guess, as yeah. a... It's kind of a hidden gem. Because this came out at a time when, like every major you know blockbuster movie that was coming out always had a video game tie-in and they were always terrible um yeah (laughs) and not just a video game tie-in i'm not talking about licensed like you know a a marvel game or a lord of the rings game or something like that it's like it would be a game where you played through the story of the movie but of course because the movie's only two hours long they got to pad it with six hours of pointless side quests um you know and and they did that for every like batman and thor and iron man and you know all those games that were coming out in the or all those big movies that were coming See, out in the mid 2000s and among that the worst offenders of those games are the ones that are titled the official game like i remember yeah X-Men, the last stand the official game meaning yeah that yeah yeah <laughs> it's made specifically because the movie is being made and it's like uh, you know yeah. it's not going to be great when it has like that type of labeling on it yeah and so the reason i wanted to give an honorable mention to revenge of the sith is because i mean this is not like the best star wars game but it was certainly one of the best movie-based games of that era um you know you got to play through the story of the movie um but you know the combat was fun obviously obviously the story is good because it's revenge of the sith um and, and if you course, remember, it came out a month before the movie came out, and it I, had actual I, scenes from the movie in there. I do remember that. I don't remember if I played it before the movie came out. Um, I remember playing it right around the same time. I think I probably, may I, you know, I feel like I might have gotten it like the week before the movie came out, but I didn't like finish it till after the movie came out. But yeah, that was definitely a different time back then when you know people didn't like spoil stuff on social media it was like hey you want to read the novel before the movie comes out sure here you go just don't tell anybody about it um i remember all the scenes made it online before the game came out and i was at the point where i was eating up everything that was released so i saw all those cut scenes before i even got the game but (laughs) it was still fun to see those while i was playing the game and actually there is a little bit of an extended moment in the lightsaber duel between anakin obi-wan and dooku in the beginning there is a little bit of dialogue that Dooku says in the cutscene of the game that's not in the movie. Hmm. Right before they start to fight, he says, just because there are two of you, don't think you have the advantage. And I think that's right before they'll start having the lightsaber duel, but it was, I, 
believe it's after he says good twice, the pride doubles a fall somewhere like right oh, around okay. there. But I had noticed that being cut from the movie when I saw it for the first time because I played the game a lot <laughs> leading up to it. It's like, oh, so there's certain stuff in the game that didn't quite make the final cut. Yeah. So if you want a little bit of extra Revenge of the Sith content, check out some of the cutscenes in that game. Yeah, I mean, it's been so long since I played it that I don't remember that. But I do remember it's got... Um, I mean, the game itself has some scenes that aren't in the movie. Like, it's got obviously more of, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan fighting droids in, in Grievous's ship and going up and down elevator shafts and all that. But also, like, Anakin going to the Jedi Temple and fighting uh, Sin Dralig, who's played by... Yeah. Uh, Nick Gillard, who did all the stunt choreography for the prequels. And he's, I think he's the one that you see Anakin just briefly fighting in that hologram that like Obi-Wan and Yoda mm -hmm. are looking at. But I think they filmed like an actual fight scene that they didn't use, but you get to, you know, fight him. Um, but yeah, so they, they do a good job of like expanding on the story of the movie enough to lengthen it into a video game without just making it feel like padded fluff. Um, but also like just the gameplay and the, the controls and the combat and stuff are actually pretty decent. Um, there was even a multiplayer mode that was kind of like a, uh, like an arcade fighter where you would just, you know, you'd get to have like lightsaber duels and stuff. So that was pretty fun. That was too. pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was pretty, pretty would... dang cool. I remember playing that a lot with my sister too. Yeah. It was cool when you got to unlock the, I like in this Obi-Wan and Darth Vader in there for mm -hmm. <laughs> some fun matches there. Oh man, I forgot I was, about that. I would probably say it's the best Star Wars fighting game that's out there. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. Them, but yeah, not that we have many to choose from. I mean, the the other one that I would put up there would and it's not even a Star Wars game, but Soul Calibur 4 that's got Darth yeah. Vader and Yoda <laughs> and Starkiller in it as playable characters. It made you want another Star Wars fighting game. That's exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've always been, I'm like, I don't play a ton of fighting games, but for whatever reason, Soul Calibur has always been the one franchise that I've gravitated towards. Um, although for whatever reason, I've only had the odd or the even numbered ones. I've had Soul Calibur two, four, and six. Um, <laughs> well, two and four are the best ones. <laughs> yeah, no, I would definitely agree. Um, but um yeah, just playing with those characters, I'm like, shoot, Lucasfilm should just hire these guys to just make this game, but with all Star Wars characters. Um, but anyway, yeah, so episode three was also a, a pretty fun one. So that's my my third honorable mention. Um, so, Tim, yeah, I'll, let you, I'll let you kick off uh, the official list now with your number five pick. All right, so my number five pick is going to be Sticking with the Star Wars space combat theme, I'm going to go with Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader for the GameCube. Now, this one, boy, talking about being hyped for a Star Wars game. I remember in 2000, Nintendo was revealing the GameCube for the first time during their Space World convention that they don't even have anymore. But I remember not knowing what to expect. I was expecting to see, oh, we're going to see a Mario game. We're going to see probably a new Zelda hopefully a metroid and we got those but what i wasn't expecting was seeing that classic shot of the x-wings heading towards the death star from yavin from a new hope and having to do a double take thinking oh wait is this a clip from the movie or is this an actual game because it looks phenomenal <laughs> and no it was from the game and i just remember being blown away just thinking wow this is the closest any game has gotten to looking like a star wars movie and I cannot wait for it. And obviously, being a big fan of the first Rogue Squadron game, I couldn't wait for this one because obviously the graphics look amazing. But the fact that it was going to be set in the original trilogy era where you get to relive all these classic 
battles. And this was during a time where all we were getting were prequel and episode one games. So it's kind of been a while since there's been a game based on the original trilogy. So it stood out for that too. But boy, when it came out, did it live up to the hype for me? This the graphics. It was a GameCube launch title. And I got a GameCube on at launch, and the first one I game I popped in was, of course, this one. And boy, was it amazing! Just opening it up with playing the Death Star attack, doing the trench run, I was just blown away by how great it looked and just how fun it was to play too. And just it was a nice mix of playing the classic battles like the Battle of Hoth, the Battle of Endor, and also throwing in some new missions in there as well, which was fun to play. And just again having a look amazing at, for at the time too and i think it probably still holds up pretty well if you were to go back and play it today this is that would actually be a great game to get an hd remaster because it would look phenomenal i think with an hd upgrade so that one i spent a lot of time playing as well i got every gold uh, medal in every mission i spent hours trying to get some of them some of them were harder to get than others but it made it so worth it it was just so fun trying to do it anyway it was just a blast playing it uh throughout the entire course of I, that i played that game so i'm gonna give my number five to rogue squadron 2 just a fun probably my favorite star wars space combat game just for because that is more the arcade style you get some crazy um heavy combat as far as massive enemies flying at you in tie fight especially at the battle of endor it really captured that feeling of all these tie fighters coming at you um, as the movie uh, made you feel when you're watching it. So just a lot of great aspects of that game that I continue to love to this day and would love to replay it again. Like I said, just with an HD upgrade would be phenomenal. So yeah, Rogue Squadron to Rogue Leader is my number five pick. And see, you've picked yet another one that I never got to play because I didn't have a GameCube, but have mm. always heard. Oh, you missed out. <laughs> yeah, I, gosh, I would go back and get one just for that game with all the great things I've heard about it. Um, my number five pick is going to be Lego Star Wars, the complete saga. Um, and it's funny cause we talked about this for I now. Feel like, <laughs> well, yeah, for, for now, um, we got the Skywalker saga coming out next year. And obviously there've been a, you know, at least a, I guess a handful of Lego Star Wars games. Cause there was Lego Star Wars one and two and the clone wars and the force awakens. But I feel like this one, um, it's just the one that, I mean, obviously it combines the first two Lego Star Wars games, but then kind of put a fresh coat of polish on it because it was the first one that came out for the Xbox 360 generation. Um, and I think there were you know, a few new missions and characters in that one too. But as much as, you know, you could say that these games are just for kids and they're kind of, you know, simple and just fun and charming and whatever, but... I've had a blast playing these games. I have a lot of memories of, uh, especially like my high school years, me and my sister playing uh, just the original Lego Star Wars games. Um, but like I said, it really is. I, I talked about this on our last episode when we were talking about, um, you know, I think there was a new trailer or something for the uh, the Skywalker saga that we were talking about. And the leg, it really is amazing how the Lego Star Wars games especially this one, the complete saga is the only game that lets you play through the stories of all of the original six star Wars films. And we're going to have another one next year that lets you play through all nine movies. And you know, how I was just talking about earlier with revenge of the Sith, how it's rare to have a movie that is based on, or rare to have a video game based on a movie that retells the story of that movie. Um, that actually is a fun and enjoyable game to play through. Um, 
And I think with Lego Star Wars, you know, they did a great job of combining just like the the classic story of Star Wars that we all know and love and all these classic characters and adding their own twist with the the Lego charm and humor that now has kind of become its own thing. Um, and combining that with, you know, gameplay and puzzling and character collecting and, um, you know, collecting all the Lego studs and the hidden objects and all that kind of stuff that just, you know, is accessible. It's fun for all ages. I've had fun, you know, like I said, my sister and I would play it in high school together all the time. I still go back every once in a while and play those games as an adult and enjoy them, but I've played them with like younger cousins and stuff and, you know, had a lot of fun just watching kids get a big kick out of it too. So, um, I just think it's, you know, it's something that never fails to put a smile on my face. Um, and it's just, it's a great encompassing of the entire star Wars saga in one fun package. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, that's something that I wish, I mean, the Lego games are great, like you said, but it just makes me think how awesome it would be to kind of get a game that's similar in gameplay style, but not in the Lego graphic style that covers all the movies, mm -hmm. but not a knock on the Lego games. Cause like I said, they're great, but just, you just can't help but think that sometimes because it has been a while since we had games like that. Yeah. And we probably won't have a game like that. That covers all nine movies. So thankful for the Lego games for that. Yeah, definitely. But for me, for my number four pick, I'm going to go with a first person shooter star Wars game. And this is going to be star Wars Republic commando that I played on the Xbox. And boy, was I excited for this game. Well, you're probably going to hear me say that a lot. Excited for a lot of these <laughs> games that when it comes to Star Wars. But Republic Commando, I remember first seeing that E3 trailer where it was just a CG trailer. But you see this these group of clones going into one of the Geonosian catacombs and just being kind of overwhelmed by these this Geonosian attacks. And this kind of had a horror vibe to it. But yet knowing it was going to be a first-person shooter. And it got me excited right away. Just couldn't wait to see more of it and to eventually play it. I mean, just the premise alone, getting to play with this elite squad of clone troopers. And I like first person shooter games. So this one was right up my alley as far as mixing that genre with star Wars. And one of my favorite aspects of star Wars, the clone troopers. And this game was so fun to play, um, getting to be in the shoes of elite clone troopers and issuing commands and orders to your squad. And I felt the AI was really great in this game where, your squad members really did help you in the battle. And not only when you issue the commands, but just on their own, I felt they did a competent job as far as helping you in your mission, taking down enemies, because that's not always the case when you get AI-controlled uh, partners <laughs> in certain games. So that was really cool to see. And the graphics on it at the time were cool, seeing that those Republic clone trooper armors, uh, just so beautiful <laughs> to see. The only knocks I have on it was that it was rather short, I believe you only get about four missions or four levels and they kind of extend them to several missions. But I wish we had a little more variety in the locations. And the one thing that bugs me the most about the game, I wish they didn't give the clone troopers different voices. And yeah. I know they said they wanted to give these troopers different personalities so you can kind of have your cling to these certain, certain characters that more to your personality or whatever. But, um, D. Bradley Baker proved that you can do that with just one voice actor. Absolutely. <laughs> the different personalities. Absolutely. So, and I think uh, Temuar Morrison did the voice for the clone that you play as. It's not the main game, but I just couldn't help but not, I don't want to say annoyed, but just wishing that 
he did the voice for all the other clone troopers. It just felt weird because that's the only bit of Star Wars media that features clones and they each have different voice actors. So that always threw the game off a little bit for me. But other than that, it was so fun to play to get a Star Wars first person shooter where you're playing as clone troopers. Um, this introduced Republic Commandos um, to the Star Wars canon. As I'm pretty sure. I don't think they showed up in comics before. And I know the novels were based off the game series. So I'm pretty sure this was their first introduction, which was really cool because they're one of the coolest aspects of uh, the Clone Wars era. And it's obviously spawned a whole series of novels that were really well regarded out of so much lore at the time. Of course, it's Legends now and don't need to go into the whole Clone Wars controversy <laughs> when uh, the Mandalore plot episode first aired. But this game by itself was just such a cool experience. I just remember it getting me super pumped for episode three when she got onto the Kashyyyk level. And just knowing that we're going to see a battle in episode three on Kashyyyk for the first time. And it leads into that a little bit. So, so many cool things about the game. And me being a huge Clone Trooper fan, I ate it all up and still enjoy it to this day. And it was cool that they did put it on Xbox One and the PS4 that had an HD upgrade to it. Um, which was a, good, a cool way to relive that game again. So, yeah, I love this one. Yeah, definitely. That's a good pick. And that's that was one that I didn't play right when it came out, but um, got it probably a couple years afterwards, just because there were so many Star Wars games coming around coming out around that time. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's definitely a fun one. But I wish that would have got a sequel or just a reboot or something nowadays, because can you imagine playing oh, yeah. that in co-op today? Oh, oh man, <laughs> yeah, even not even a, a sequel because I, I mean, technically that's Legends now too, and like you said, you got these clones that all have yeah. different voices. Just make a do a Republic Commando reboot with D. Bradley Baker voicing all the different clones, like or yeah, heck, make a Bad Batch game. I don't know, like I guess the Bad Batch aren't quite as like hardcore as uh, as Delta Squad, um, mm. but yeah, that would definitely be a fun concept to revisit on the modern consoles, but um, all right. Well, my number four pick is going to be a game that we've talked about a lot and even mentioned here already on this episode. It's going to be uh, EA's Battlefront 2 from 2017. Um, and this game is, you know, the, the little game that could. Um, it probably would be even higher on my list if it wasn't for some of the issues that it had at launch and the campaign that, you know, is kind of lackluster. But um, man, you want to talk about a game that I was really excited for. Um, I mean, first of all, just, you know, the hype that we had when, when EA announced that they were, uh, rebooting the Star Wars Battlefront franchise and that we were getting new Battlefront games on these, these current gen consoles. I was super excited for that. Um, the first Battlefront game that came out in 2015, obviously you, me and Paul all had a ton of fun playing that together. Um, but we kind of wanted more from it. You know, I, I remember the disappointment that we felt when we first realized that it was only going to be original trilogy and not have any space battles. And, you know, it was kind of small scale. Um, it was a fun experience, but when they announced that they were doing a battlefront two, it's like, okay, there's, you know, a lot more that we're hoping for in this one. And when they announced that it was going to be all eras, when we first saw that first trailer where you saw clone troopers and battle droids fighting each other, and you saw Yoda and Darth Maul having the lightsaber duel and everything like, my my expectations were just through the roof um 
and again, you know, just it got off to a rocky start. But I think my I think over time, the game eventually met all of those initial expectations that I had and even surpassed some of them between all the different game modes that you get to play, all the different heroes that I mean, there was a pretty good selection at launch. But then through the ones that they added post launch with first, you know, Finn and Phasma, but then eventually Anakin and Dooku and Grievous and Obi-Wan um honestly characters that it's it's hard to even imagine the game without now um and i don't know if you know they just had a tight production schedule and didn't have time to work on all those at first but you could really feel the love from the developers on this game like i followed a lot of them on twitter like throughout the the process of the game being in development and them developing all the the post-launch content and I think they're really big Star Wars fans. And in particular, a lot of them, it seems like, are big prequel and Clone Wars fans. And so they knew that we wanted to get to play with these characters from the prequel era and get these big battles like on Geonosis and Felucia and all that kind of stuff. Um, also, like I said, just playing the space battles in that game is some of my favorite Star Wars gaming, gaming experiences ever, especially... Um, again, just getting to fly in Arc 170 and the space battle around Ryloth or, you know, over Kamino, um, is, uh, yeah, that's, that's some of my favorite stuff. Again, not having played like Rogue Squadron, Rogue Leader, I would say that that is like, for me, Battlefront 2 is, is my, uh, sort of top tier Star Wars space combat game. And that's only a small chunk of the stuff that you get to do in the game overall, um, and when you combine that with like the hero battles and supremacy and all that kind of stuff, um, yeah, this is, this is up there for me. Honestly, the, the top four games that I've got on my list could switch position any day of the week, depending on how I'm feeling. But when I kind of had to look at it objectively, it was easy to move this one to the bottom of the list just because of some of the issues that it had at launch, um, with the loot boxes and the, uh, uh, microtransactions and all that kind of stuff and then um you know of course the the campaign not necessarily being a strong point um it was just kind of that that made it easier to go okay well for now I'll, I'll put it at number four on the list but this is definitely up there for me among you know some of the the most fun i've had playing a star wars game um and i hope we get more of it in the future i know they've shut it down now but you know i look forward to whenever we get a battlefront 3 maybe on the next gen consoles or whatever and obviously they've done stuff from all the movies now at this point and it's like well how much more could you do but i don't know just getting to team up with your friends and playing these big multiplayer star wars battles will never get old yeah i knew it was going to show up somewhere on the list didn't know exactly where but (laughs) (laughs) knew it had to be in there (laughs) all right so my number three is going to be one that may be lower than maybe some people would have because i'm sure if you were to ask a lot of star wars fans or gamers this could be number one but my number three is going to be knights of the old republic the very first one on the xbox now for me it's this one's kind of weird i got it the day it came out but i didn't fall in love with the combat and the gameplay of it right away and i kind of didn't go back to it until almost two years later <laughs> because Working at a GameStop during that time, it was hard not to stay spoiler-free on it, so I I eventually got revealed the big twist to me while I was working at a GameStop before I actually played it, so maybe that took away from some of the big shocking and amazement I would have had playing it for myself, so that's probably on me, but it's still hard to deny how great of a story that game is, and eventually I got used to playing the combat and ended up really liking it. And the reason I wanted to start playing it again was because I just needed something to play during a time 
I was all just getting so amped up for episode three and there was none of those new games like Republic Commando or um, the episode three tie-in game were out yet. So Knights of the Old Republic was filling the void. And I'm glad I eventually did got to play because I end up loving it. Customizing your character to be your own Jedi was great. You didn't get to do a lot of that uh, at the time. I mean, you had, um, I believe, yeah, Jedi Academy came out a little bit before this where you got to customize your Jedi character. But this one, it just really felt like you were playing as you in this era of Star Wars being a Jedi and making all these decisions, the whole aspect of going to the light side or dark side was such a great concept and it really played out well and again going back to that twist um spoiler if you haven't played it yet but the fact where you actually are darth revan was just so cool i've heard a lot of people say working at gamestop oh it's the best star wars reveal since or twist since the empire strikes back or some people even said it was better i don't know if i go that far but (laughs) it was something that was pretty big and some that I think anyone who plays today can appreciate um, if you've never experienced the game before and don't see it coming. It is just such a cool kind of pulls a rug out from under your feet moment. So it was a great game to experience when I did finally get to play with it. When you throw in the story, uh, the combat, um, the customization, the character choices, the twist, it just a lot of great stuff and cool stuff it added to the Star Wars lore for that era. Um, you've heard me complain a bunch of times about the old Republic game taking too much from the prequel era, like the the troopers there look like clone troopers and bounty hunters looking cad, like Cad Bane. But this nice little Republic game, I love the look and style it had for this era of Star Wars. It felt like Star Wars, but felt unique to this particular time period. The Sith troopers uh, looked really cool. It's such a cool design and unique. And just throwing all that stuff, it just makes for a great Star Wars experience. So um Knights of the Republic is number three on my list probably not as high as it maybe it could be if I experienced it all playing it for the first time getting that big twist and reveal finding out for myself as I was playing it probably would have left a bigger impression on me but uh, again that's on me but uh, that keeps it down just a little bit for not having that big mouth hit the floor moment <laughs> as I'm playing it that some other games have given me which would have been nice to experience with this one too, but that was my fault. But still, I has to be in my top five. It is a Star Wars video game experience, experience like no other. That it is, and uh, I may have more to say about that later. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> my number three is going to be Jedi Fallen Order. Um, and it's funny, even as I'm talking about this, I'm still kind of going through my top three in my head. Like, is this exactly where I want to put it? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Jedi Fallen Order right now. This could move up my list over time. But I think for right now, because it's not even a year old, I'm going to say, you know, I'll, I'll take off the rose-colored glasses and, um, you know, see, like, we'll, we'll give it a bit more time to see, you know, if this one you know, maybe one day moves up to like my number two spot, but, um, gosh, I love this game so much. And, um, you know, it was just really great to get a single player star Wars action adventure story again. Um, I mean, obviously as much as I love battlefront and the multiplayer battles and, and stuff like that, um, to get a, uh, 
you know, a story set in between episodes three and four, which initially I wasn't super excited about because we've had a lot of stories in that time period recently, like with um, Rebels and everything. And I was like, oh, here we go, um, you know, just sort of retreading old ground. But I like that it's in an an area of that time period that hadn't been super explored yet at the time. It's only like five years after Revenge of the Sith. And so you kind of see this cool transition where like, obviously the empire's taken over, but one of my favorite things about the game just visually is how much you still kind of see the wreckage of the clone wars, like literally like in you're going through yeah. planets, like climbing through the wreckage of Venet or star destroyers and um, climbing through the trees on Kashyyyk. And there's just like, wrecked republic gunships hanging from vines in these giant trees um but um just you know bringing you into like this new story with this new jedi character of cal kestis who is just instantly likable um taking you on this journey where i mean again really just like i said kind of with the um the squadrons campaign but definitely even more so in jedi fallen order i think its real strength is its characters between Cal and then, you know, Seer and Grease and uh, Marin, who you meet later on, they're all some of my favorite Star Wars video game characters ever. Um, I just love the, you know, the arcs that they all have, the um, just the interactions between them, but also, and obviously this is a just sort of a product too of the game being made so recently and with the modern technology that we have now and everything. Um the just the cinematic presentation of it is all just excellent like you can watch the cutscenes and feel like you're watching a star wars movie um obviously i will say knights of the old republic is going to be higher on my list than this game um but i actually said recently after beating jedi fallen order for like the second or third time i think that i think the story in jedi fallen order is my favorite story in a star wars game um and again, a lot of that is just due to the visuals and the cinematic presentation of it. Um, just the way that the cutscenes are edited, the way that you see the emotion on the characters' faces, the music. Um, again, all it all just plays like you're watching a Star Wars movie. And then, of course, there's the really cool reveal at the end. Um, also, yeah. I, I, I didn't even mention the second sister, um, who is by far the best and most complex inquisitor character that they've created so far. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's just, and you know, again, you combine that with just some cool, uh, you know, lightsaber combat and exploration and, and um, sort of action adventure gameplay that a lot of people have described as being, reminiscent of a lot of other games and just sort of taking bits and pieces from like dark souls and metroid and you know it, it's kind of a a best of um compilation of of a lot of other games in the genre but i think it works well it doesn't feel like it's just you know blatantly ripping off one thing or another i think for playing within a star wars game it, it feels like it fits really well um the lightsaber gameplay is great the exploration and all the different stuff you can find and you know the the hidden secrets and going back and trying to unlock all that stuff after you've unlocked all your force powers and stuff is uh is a lot of fun um it's not like as, as far as action adventure games go it's not like the absolute best gameplay i've ever played which is why it's you know maybe not even higher on my list but it's definitely it's solid it's fun um but the story and the characters are really what elevates it for me and make made it um 
something that really blew me away, to be honest. I mean, it looked good from the trailers and stuff. And it, it, just the fact that they hyped this up as like a lightsaber action game. I remember that's what they first described it as when they first announced this game. They said, you know, we're doing a third person like lightsaber action game. And so I'm thinking, OK, we're going to get something with really cool and intense, you know, and realistic feeling lightsaber combat and just this really you know, engrossing and fantastic Star Wars story with these really, uh, you know, great characters that I resonated with on an emotional level just kind of slapped me in the face. And that wasn't what I was expecting to fall in love with this game for, but I did. Yeah, nice. Uh, I will say it didn't make my top five list, but that doesn't necessarily mean it. I don't regard it as a high Star Wars game. I definitely do, but there's just some that I've, felt maybe just me playing more of them than i did jedi fallen order that i just fell in love with and some of it might just be once we get to my number one pick it's a little more nostalgia base but we'll get to that later but star wars jedi fallen order is one that uh, you can't deny is one of the better star wars games out there so definitely i definitely knew it was going to be somewhere on your list but yeah. it was an odd mind yeah definitely and like i said it's a little hard to place it definitively when it's only been out for a year and i will admit for my top two picks nostalgia definitely comes into play more but um yeah this one definitely is a, a solid entry into the pantheon of star wars games so speaking of nostalgia my number two pick is going to be star wars battlefront 2 number one <laughs> nice the battlefront 2 that came out back in 2005 the same day the revenge of the sith dvd came out that was an awesome night getting the revenge of the sith dvd playing battlefront 2 oh, so much fun but this game boy talk about delivering more on what the potential of the first battlefront game the fact that at the time we got maps on pretty much every major star wars planet location from all six movies at the time it was just incredible and the graphics at the time blew me away getting to play clone troopers on all these various maps was just awesome and the story mode i really really like the story mode i remember a lot of people i shouldn't say a lot of people but i did see some reviews on it saying that it was kind of the weaker aspect of it where it's hard to get engaged with a story that focuses on a clone trooper to becoming a stormtrooper. But hey, you know, that's right up my alley. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I ate it all up. And just hearing that narration of the clone troopers recount the various Star Wars battles that we've seen in the movies. It was just really cool to see that progression of how this clone trooper adapts into the Empire and the different missions they have to take on there. So a lot of cool stuff in that uh, single player mode. But the multiplayer was where it was at, just playing so much of it. Not even just online, while I did play it online a lot, just even playing split-screen split co-op was lots of fun. Um, I think I've said this before, but me and my younger brother would have epic General Grievous versus Obi-Wan matches on Uda Pal. But <laughs> <laughs> getting our troopers down, like back going back and forth, back and forth, till it got down to the nitty-gritty where, where we got to choose play a hero character where it came down to between Grievous and Obi-Wan. And it would always it wouldn't always go down the same way. I'd win some, he'd win some. It was just a lot of fun. Uh but playing on Utapala was one of our favorite maps and just reliving the episode that moment from episode three was just so much fun. And um that I believe was the tagline for the most recent the most recent Star Wars Battlefront where we live your Star Wars battle fantasies or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. 
But to me, that was more apl- applicable to the original Star Wars Battlefront. But for whatever the reason, that's where it really felt like I was reliving, reliving those epic Star Wars battles in that game. And maybe it was because it was the first time to get to play these battles in a game like that. And it just blew me away. And the fact that it encompassed all movies just made it all that much better. And heck, even the menu, I think, was one of the better Star Wars video game menus. You get the clips from the movies, you get the iconic score, you get the logo, the different logos of the different factions, like the Rebels, the Imperials, the Republic, the Separatists. It was just a really well put together game that uh, any Star Wars fan would eat up, especially during that time. Like I said, coming off the high of episode three, being excited about the DVD and getting this uh, awesome new game to play. Um, to go along with it. And yeah, I played a lot of that, man. <laughs> Definitely a couple, I would say easily two years since it came out, was still playing that. And it had some DLC too to kind of keep it going. But it was so much fun because it was, I remember one of the big requests and things gamers wanted to play from the first Battlefront was to play as hero and villain characters. And I think this one implemented it in such a really cool way um, that just felt, just like a natural progression from the first game to this one and expanding on what was good about the first one and just made it even better in this one. So yeah, Star Wars Battlefront 2, it's always going to be up there. It's one of my all-time favorite Star Wars game. Uh, the way it got you got to relive those epic Star Wars battles from every movie during that time <laughs> was just such a blast, and I'll always have good memories of playing that game. <sighs> Dang it, Tim. Next time I'm going first because not <laughs> only did you not also. only did you take my number two pick, but you also made even the same comparison that I was going to make when the tagline for the first EA Battlefront game oh, was wow. "Relive your Star Wars <laughs> battle fantasies." I I thought of that as I was putting this list together and going, "This game is still the the uh, gold standard for living your Star Wars battle fantasies." Um, now again, I will. Give with the caveat that I I honestly do believe that Battlefront 2 2017, if you compare the way that that game in its current state um, against Battlefront 2 2005, I think they're almost neck and neck. Um, But again, you know, you look at the issues and the controversy that that the newer game had at first um, and then just the nostalgia that's tied in with the 2005 game. And this one comes in a couple spots higher up the list. Um, You know, you talk about playing it with your brother all the time. My dad and I played this all the time through, you know, this was basically my entire high school experience. Although it's funny because a lot of these (laughs) other games that I've talked about that came out in like 2005, 6, 7, you know, I played during high school as well. But um gosh we played this endlessly and it's funny because i also i actually also played with my sister a lot and we would do co we would just do co-op and play the campaign together because i was better than her and just would just kick her butt and so she didn't like playing against me in the battles but my dad and i would just have those same kind of endless just back and forth epic battles we would do the uh the galactic conquests where you know, it was basically like, oh, yeah, yeah, they it, they turned it into like a little mini like strategy game where, you know, you see like a map of the galaxy and you each have a fleet and you move your fleet to different planets and attack your opponent. And then you actually play out the battle. And that was really cool. I mean, it was like a little s- simplified, like almost like a strategy board game um built around battlefront and then you would just actually play out the battles for these different planets and stuff. And that was like all we did. Um you know, occasionally we would do like the instant action modes and do, 
you know, hero the the heroes versus villains or whatever. Or I guess I think it was called like Hero Assault or something like that in that game. But um yeah, my my best memories from uh from Battlefront 2 were just late nights staying up with my dad, um, playing you know, just those Galactic Conquest campaigns back and forth. I beat him most of the time. In fact, I don't know that he ever beat me in an entire Galactic Conquest, but there were certain <laughs> there were certain planets that he would always beat me on, and I would take over the entire galaxy and then bring my Republic fleet to, like, Polis Massa, where he would just have his droidicus rolling down the hallways and murdering all my guys, and it would take me, like, <laughs> ten tries to capture that one planet. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... Um, you know, again, for, for all the re- reasons you mentioned, like I loved the first Star Wars Battlefront game too, but then being able to play as heroes, having all the new locations from episode three, being able to do space battles, um, it was just... Yeah, that was a big deal. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And I loved the space battles long before I got into, yeah, you know, so, yeah. long before uh, Squadrons or Starfighter Assault in the new Battlefront 2, I was you know, flying around in the arc 170. And of course that was also where you could land it, land in the capital ships and go in and blow it up from the inside. And so that was pretty cool too. Although I always like, I love that you could do that, but I didn't necessarily like doing that because if you went in and blew up all the systems, you know, it was like a point system and it was like, you had to get to like 180 points to win. And I think if you blew up all the systems on the ship from the inside, you'd end up with like 150 points or something. And so I always wanted to just like fly around outside and shoot down ships. And I felt like I would win too fast if I went and blew everything up. And so, um, I'd rather, you know, just, Still such a cool feature, though. I mean, yeah, I yeah, yeah. They impl- implemented that in the new Battlefront too, and I was mm-hmm. hoping they would, but never. Quite no, got and it. you would think they'd be able to. I mean, we all saw that tech demo from like the canceled Battlefront Three from back in like mm-hmm. two thousand nine, where you could get in a ship on the ground, fly it up into the air, and then fly into space and and dock in the ship. So I'm still waiting for a game where we get to do that one day. Maybe we'll get that in EA's Battlefront Three on the Xbox Series X. I don't know. Um but yeah, I mean, this was again, you know, just just so many great memories of getting to, like we said, live out those Star Wars battle fantasies. Um, and back in a time when everybody else was, uh, you know, especially back when I was in high school, I mean, Halo was like the big multiplayer game that everybody was into. And then as I graduated high school and got older, it was, uh, you know, Call of Duty became the big popular thing. But like for my birthday parties, when I would, when I was in high school, my friends would all bring their Xboxes over and we'd hook them up and do, you know, the system link or whatever. And, and we would play (laughs) Battlefront with like 16 people in the same house, you know, playing on four different TVs. And that was, you know, a ton of fun. And of course I'd kick everybody's butt in the space battles and stuff, but, um, (laughs) no change there. (laughs) Yeah, no, I've been, I've been flying arc 170s since I was 14 years old. Um, But yeah, man, I just love it. And again, this could, you know, just based on sort of how I'm feeling and uh, and what I'm feeling nostalgic for, I guess, um, this could easily take the top spot in uh, in my list of favorite Star Wars games. And especially, you know, it, it, I think it's probably the, not just the Star Wars game, but the video game that I've sunk the most hours into um, over my lifetime, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, just great memories of Battlefront too. Yeah. This was one I was not surprised would 
be on both of our lists. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know it was going to so show up times. at the same spot, but I knew we'd both have it that on there. That is true. Yeah. But for my number one, now I'm pretty sure this isn't going to be your number one and not on your list. Is it but Masters I'm of Terrace how did you know? <laughs> the <laughs> ultimate Star Wars fighting game. I mean, great combat, great controls, great graphics. So good, it got name dropped in Solo. I mean, what <laughs> Star Wars game could be better? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm quoting an old GamePro review. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the old GamePro magazine, but they actually gave that game a perfect score. Like, what? five out of fives out of everything. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Somebody knows where they're hiding the bodies. Yeah. <laughs> But no, not Masters of Terrakazi, but though that should be a game that should be on a top five Star Wars ranking list because a Star Wars fighting game like we talked about, uh, it's just begging to be made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mine is going way back to the Super Nintendo and it's going to be Super Empire Strikes Back. Now, I could cheat and just do the whole Super Star Wars trilogy on that system because they're all great games, but I'm just going to specifically focus in on the Empire Strikes Back. Just like the movie, it is the best out of the three. And boy, at this time, during the 16-bit era, when I was just about 10 or 11 years old when this game came out, there was nothing better than playing a Star Wars game, in particular The Empire Strikes Back, that really covered everything that you would want to play in a game that was about The Empire Strikes Back. Of course, during this time, the 16-bit era, most of the game play style was platforming and this game did it perfectly, whether you're on the snow plains of Hoth, in Dagobah, Cloud City. It was just so fun. And the weapon choices you would get to have, obviously with Luke, you get a lightsaber. But I just remember it being so fun and loving the system of how you'd start off with a regular blaster. But throughout the course of the level, you could upgrade it to this ultimate blaster that did so much damage. But then you'd get ones that are in between. That was like a heat-seeking blaster, a plasma blaster, just a flame blaster, this at the time, all these different weapons and options you can have for your uh, combat weapon was just so much fun. But when you're ever playing as Luke Skywalker, I always went to the lightsaber, of course. But I just remember loving the level designs, making it to a boss where you fight a big, giant wampa, this big swamp creature, um, Boba Fett in a level. Heck, heck, you even do a level where you're Han inside the carbon freezing chamber <laughs> where you're battling uh, mechanism of the carbon freezing chamber. Oh, that's <laughs> that's some crazy stuff like that. But that was so much fun cultivating into the epic final boss battle with Darth Vader. That was so much fun, especially coming off of the Super Star Wars game where uh, you get to you didn't get to play as Obi-Wan, so you didn't have that duel between him and Vader. So getting to do that in the Empire Strikes Back, I remember was that being something I just couldn't wait to experience in the sequel for that game. And boy, did it live up to it. Just such a perfect final boss battle going up against Vader on Cloud City. And it even had a little bit of dialogue, which at the time, not many Super Nintendo games had voice acting or dialogue. (laughs) It sounded a little crude, but I just remember, oh, we're hearing Darth Vader speak in a video game, which is so cool. (laughs) But you throw all that great platforming gameplay aspect of it and covering every aspect of the movie, but then you throw in the spaceship battles. The Battle of Hoth was so much fun in that game. I could just spend hours taking down walkers, ATATs with your tow cable, and it was very fast-paced, too. It was pretty much only one speed you can go as, so if I'm sure 
I was to go back to it now, it'd be kind of, it would stand out with just how fast you're going and not having too much control over your speed. But it, it was just so much fun flying the snow speeder and taking down uh, AT-ATs with the, the tow cable. So much fun. The asteroid chase with the Falcon. I just loved how it encompassed a great style of gameplay with the platforming and then with your combat flying in the different uh, ships. So this was pretty much the complete package back in that time period of how a licensed game should be covered. We're talking about how the Lego Star Wars games are the only way you can experience the entire Star Wars saga in video games. Well, back in the 90s, this was as good as it get in covering the entire Star Wars saga at the time with it only being the original trilogy. Those three games on the Super Nintendo were perfection for me as far as video game adaptions of Star Wars. And Super Empire Strikes Back was the pinnacle of that. And boy, did I play that over and over and over. There would be moments where I'd start, I'd do like a trilogy marathon of the games. You know, we do that all the time with the movies, but with the games, I would start with A New Hope, uh, try to make it all the way to The Return of the Jedi didn't really do necessarily able to do that all in one day but in the course of a weekend or some i would play all three so but empire strikes back was always the highlight and boy i just love that game so much you know just what it meant as a young star wars fan getting to play um the, your favorite star wars movie like that it just blew me away and i just i think to this day one of the best uh licensed video games you're gonna find one that's actually based on a movie they just did a superb job for what games were like at that time. I just completely fell in love with that game. And and again, this is going back to where nostalgia may be playing a factor in it, but I just can't remember having more fun than I did playing a Star Wars game than I did playing Super Empire Strikes Back back in the day. And that's why it will probably always remain my number one all-time favorite Star Wars game. Nice. Throwing it back old school. That is definitely not my number yep. one pick. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. What year did that come out? I'm like, is that game older than me? It came out in 1996, I believe. 95 the earliest. Oh, okay. No, wait, so it was 94. No, it was 94. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm getting my years mixed up because I remember the first one came out in 92 and I didn't think there'd be that big of a gap, but it was 94. Yeah, I, I, would, I would be surprised like if it was 90. I would be surprised if it was 96 because that's when Shadows of the Empire came out, right? Yeah, I said 96 because I played it a lot that year too. Because oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't get a 64 right away and I knew Shadows of the Empire was coming out and I want to play some Star Wars game. I'll go back to playing The Empire Strikes Back. But no, it was 94. I remember... Uh, there was like a big slumber party that were that was going on with some of our friends, and that was gonna be like the premiere of Super Empire Strikes Back with one of our friends had. <laughs> he was the first one to get a copy, so everyone was gonna see it for the first time at that slumber party. And that's where I first got to see it and play it for a little bit before I got my own. But yeah, it nice. was ninety four. Yeah, so I was three when that came out. So yeah, definitely <laughs> uh was not what I was doing at that time. Um that would be awesome if you were playing that three years that would be, I mean, that'll probably be my kid someday. But um, uh, yeah, so my number one pick is going to be uh, Knights of the Old Republic. No surprise um, that that was going to show up somewhere higher on my list after you talked about it earlier. But, you know, it's interesting because, like I said, my list changes all the time. And, you know, I, I think in some regards, I almost have more like fun memories of playing Battlefront with my dad um, than I do playing KOTOR. But 
I mean, this is definitely Knights of the Old Republic is definitely the single player game that I've played the most number of times. I've played through that more than 10 times through. I, I've lost count somewhere after that. Um, and as I said earlier, I think Jedi Fallen Order has sort of surpassed it as far as my favorite single player story in a Star Wars game, as far as like the plot and the just the moments of like the character dialogue and just, you know, the the way everything is framed cinematically and the score and all that kind of stuff. But um, I mean, part of it is nostalgia, but KOTOR really redefined for me what a Star Wars story could be. Um you know, just in the sense that it introduced all these completely new characters and in a, a part of the universe that we had never seen before and established this whole new, not just storyline, but time period and made me fall in love with this whole, you know, the lore of the Old Republic era um, to the point where to this day, you know, now I've played obviously both KOTOR games in the Old Republic MMO and I've read the Knights of the Old Republic comics, and I've read all kinds of stuff on, you know, just the lore of that era. Um, and now I get giddy with excitement anytime anybody in Clone Wars or Rebels name drops, you know, Darth Bane or mentions battles in the Old Republic between the Jedi and the Mandalorians or the Jedi and the Sith. And it's still just, you know, something that I, that I crave seeing more of. And there's something about just this ancient time period you know seeing the kind of stuff that like luke and yoda would have read about in their history books you know but then going back and having these uh you know what would be like historical figures and actually having them be like fleshed out characters um there's just something about that that's so appealing to me um but i mean i love this game for so many different reasons i mean the actual story of the game itself is great like you said the big shocking twist reveal at the end that you are darth revan surprisingly that also uh was spoiled for me before i played it i think for whatever reason when i first started playing the game it was kind of like i i didn't really love the combat at first either and it was kind of hard for me even though i think i was playing on like easy or normal difficulty or whatever and i had a friend who was uh a huge Star Wars fan also and like kept telling me to get this game. I didn't get it right when it came out because it came out in 2003 and I don't think I played it till maybe like 2006 or seven. Um, and again, this was when I was in high school and I had a friend who, you know, loved it and kept telling me, Hey, you got to play, it, you got to play it. And, uh, and I, I got it. I started playing it, didn't get very far in it, you know, wasn't loving it at first. And, you know, he kept pestering me about it because I think he just wanted to talk about the story and the reveal and everything. And when I was uh -huh. like, yeah, I haven't gotten very far. And he's like, well, do you want me to tell you what happens? And I was like, okay, sure. And he's like, you're Darth Revan. I was like, okay, whatever. Like it didn't mean much to me at the time because <laughs> I hadn't played through the game, but um, eventually I got past whatever part I was stuck at, made it all the way through the game, fell in love with the story and the characters and played it again and again and again. Um, and yeah, again, just, you know, it's funny because like, I feel like the game maybe hasn't aged the best. Like if you go back and play it now, like definitely the graphics aren't spectacular. The combat definitely doesn't really hold up as far as the stop and pause and pick which attack you're going to do and then watch them do it. Um, but I mean, it was, it was fun at the time. Um you know, and just progressing through like developing your Jedi powers and uh, building your lightsaber and upgrading your armor and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I loved getting to do that. 
Um, but then just exploring all these planets in the Star Wars universe with this fun cast of characters. I mean, HK-47 is still one of my favorite uh, all-time Star Wars droids. Um, but all the other, you know, Bastila and Mission and uh, Zalbar and Jolie and, you know, just all of my, you know, all some of my uh, my favorite, you know, all-time Star Wars characters and video game characters. Um but just, I, I mean, I think the reason this is still number one for me is not necessarily even because of anything particular in the game itself, but just, you know, the memories of of playing that game and just being amazed by, again, just the, the mythology and the lore and then the way that that just cultivated a sort of a love and a hunger in me to want more of that, um, and I'm still waiting for a Star Wars game or even a Star Wars story in this, you know, sort of day and age that um, sort of scratches that same itch, not just for the old Republic in general, but, you know, and maybe the high Republic will do this, but something that takes a big step back or forward from the movies and carves out its own niche in the universe and sets up its own thing and its own characters and its own sort of space and mythology and everything. And just then tells a great story with great characters and just knocks it out of the park. So that's something I'm still waiting to see replicated. I also don't know why the heck they haven't done like a remastered or remake version of this game. Um, Cause it's definitely something that a lot of people would play. Um, but gosh, just look at, you know, the, the fan demand for like anything involving Darth Revan and just the way that that character is still just sort of such a legend among fans. Um, you know, is is certainly is as big a draw for me as it is for anyone else. So, um, you know, lots of great Star Wars games out there. Like I said, on on any given day, you know, my favorite story based game could be Kotor, could be Jedi Fallen Order. My favorite, you know, multiplayer action shooter game could be the new Battlefront, could be the old Battlefront. But if I had to pick just one all time great Star Wars game, I would have to go with Knights of the Old Republic. Hard to argue that. <laughs> but yeah, glad to see that our list definitely ver had a variety amongst all the various Star Wars games that are out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is, I mean, between um, both of our lists and both of our honorable mentions, I think we got pretty much all the good critically acclaimed ones out there. Um, yeah, there's we, even still some out there that we didn't even touch on. Yeah, like, I, I think was Star Wars Starfighter is a pretty cool game for the PS2. Mm-hmm. The Empire at Jedi War. Knight games. Yeah, yeah, the Jedi Knight games, Jedi Academy, or uh, Jedi Outcast, I know is one that a lot of people really like. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been fun to to go through all of them and see kind of the different Star Wars exper- uh, gaming experiences that we've had over the years. One final question, because yeah, I know anybody that's listening that's a big gamer is maybe wondering this. What's your all-time favorite video game? Oh, I can answer that without hesitation. The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Oh, to me, that is just video game perfection with gameplay graphics at the time, but I think they still hold up pretty well to this day. The music, the story, just everything about it is just flawless. So that is, and growing up a Zelda fan from the beginning and then seeing it on display like that, like never before, it just totally blew me away and just always stuck with me as just the most incredible video game experience I've ever had. And because I'm such a sucker for just a fantastic sci-fi epic, mine is Mass Effect 2. Ah, nice. That is in my top 10. I could probably do a top 10. I might have to think about 
the the later the last uh, few games in that list but i could easily do a top five and i could definitely put together a top 10 if i had a few minutes <laughs> yeah i don't even know if i could do that a lot of them would be some of the star wars games we just talked about because i don't play a whole lot of games that aren't star wars to be honest mm-hmm. Honestly, now that I think about it, I don't think a Star Wars game would be in my top 10. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that just shows how many great video games there are. That's true. There are a lot of good ones out there. <laughs> but sad to say, we could easily do, if we wanted to, a top five worst Star Wars games. Because <laughs> there's quite a few of them out there. True, true. Although I feel like most of the ones that have reputations of being the worst ones I haven't played because I've just kind of steered clear of. But... Um... Well, I'll just go ahead and give my number one because I played it and I never want to play it again. Star Wars Connect. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. Well, that, that's my worst Star Wars game and I've never even played it. <laughs> I think I said this before, but it, it ruined the streak or the goal I always wanted to have where every Star Wars game that came out, I would get all the achievements for. But that one was just so unplayable. I just could not do it. <laughs> <laughs> So I will never have every achievement for every Star Wars game. Sad to say, that's all because of Connect. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to uh, get achievements for motion dancing to Han Solo spoof songs. <laughs> oh boy, I, I didn't even go to that. <laughs> like I saw the preview clips from it. It's like, nope, I'm good. I'll just do the adventure mode. And once I played five minutes of that, I'm never playing this again. <laughs> but. It was worth to get it just because I got that limited edition R2-D2 Xbox 360, which was pretty awesome. Oh, there you awesome. go. Yeah, see, I probably would have bought it just for that, too. But anyway, yeah, this is it's been a lot of fun getting to revisit all these Star Wars games. Um, and if you guys want to, uh, you know, if you're listening to this, go ahead and uh, tweet us at Star Wars TSC. Um, or jump on our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. And if you want, go ahead and share your top five Star Wars games with us or just your favorite game. Um, yeah. Let us know which ones you enjoy and we'll see, you know, because like we said, there's a bunch out there that uh, that we didn't even mention on our list. So um, maybe you guys will have some different lists than we did and, and have some favorite games that we didn't even talk about. So um, let us know what you think. Um, you can also send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. And I think, uh, Tim, we've actually got an email that you're going to read for us, right? Yeah, we got one from John Welker, and this is regarding the final episode of The Clone Wars. And just right away, I just think it's a testament to how amazing the Siege of Mandalore is that we're still getting email discussion topics about it because it is just so awesome and you can just take away so many different things about it so i just love that we're still getting emails about the siege of mandalore Mm -hmm. but john goes on to say great podcast guys my take on the final episode where vader looks up and you can see his eyes is for a brief moment he becomes anakin again he realizes that he lost the love of his life by his own hands and the life he had he lost his friends and his unborn children this leading to his anger and rage within himself that there is no one to blame but himself for it. He being Vader now was created as the end result that put him in this suit. More so for punishment for betraying those he loved than to keep his life from ending to serve Palpatine. Just my interpretation as my youngest son, who's 18 now, who I introduced to the Clone Wars, go back and forth on as we are both Star Wars geeks. Nothing will ever change my mind that the greatest moment was in 77, seeing the Star Destroyer flying over your head in the theater. And you know what? That is something as 
a Star Wars fan who wasn't born in 1977 or just even around in 1977 to experience that. I will say that is like a Star Wars moment I'm jealous of, of not to being able to experience for the first time because everyone says how amazing it was seeing that Star Destroyer fly over Tatooine for the first time. And it's not knowing or expecting that to happen, just being blown away from, by that. That in uh, Vader telling Luke is his father, that's something that we never quite got to experience like the first generation Star Wars fans. So uh, every time I hear responses and uh, reminiscing about that, of those who got to see in the theater to say how amazing it was, just like, I wish I could experience that. But Yeah, um, me too. Uh, but just going back to his thoughts on Vader and the Clone Wars, I mean, to me, that's just part of the reason why it makes that ending so great. Like you said, John, you could just take different inter interpretations for that moment and what it means for Vader and Anakin as a character, just the conflict of the Clone Wars and just the greater Star Wars saga as a whole. It is just so perfect and a moment that's all about visual emotion without any dialogue or spoken in that scene and again i just love hearing everyone's different reactions and response to that to that ending of the clone wars it is just so great that we all take these different things from it and i just again think it speaks to the genius of dave filoni and how he was able to wrap up that story in such a beautiful way and have it centered on the most important character in the Star Wars saga, which is Anakin slash Darth Vader. So, yeah, so great to see your insight on that. And again, just love how we're still getting uh, emails and discussion topics about that, because it is something that is worth talking about still now. And I'm sure for many years to come. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it, it's great how like you can read that so many different ways, because um I think that interpretation is definitely there. Like he said, you know, you kind of see Vader through the helmet just a little bit. And it's like that shred of Anakin that's sort of trapped inside after the, now he's like suffering the consequences of his own actions. Um, I didn't even really think about that because I think of that just at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Um, and it might not come through the clearest in the movie like i know everybody makes fun of the you know no at the end but like if you haven't read the revenge of the sith novel do yourself a favor and definitely check that out because it's one of the best star wars books ever written i think um and i think it does a much better job than the movie of getting inside the head of anakin skywalker and telling you like what his just sort of where he's at mentally and emotionally, like through all the different stages of the movie. And it, it goes into that at the end when he's in the suit and realizes he's lost everything and kind of has this moment of clarity. Like once he finds out Padme's dead and he's like, wait, so like, how did I even get here? Like, what, what am I even doing? You know, cause the whole, everything he did for Palpatine, he did to try to save Padme. And now Padme's gone. Palpatine's got him in his clutches. And when he starts using the force to like crush all the droids and stuff in the book, it says he's actually trying to kill Palpatine. But now because his power is diminished and, you know, he's been chopped up and burned and all this stuff, like he doesn't have the strength to do that. And so he just destroys everything else in the room instead. Um, see, this is why Anakin's my favorite character. So, so many just layers and depth and ugh, such a good, just tragic fallen hero. Um, and yeah, of course, that scene at the end of Clone Wars is just one more great piece of storytelling to add to that. Yep. And in turn, which is why it makes Star Wars the best story ever. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
but uh, yeah, thank you, John, for the email. Um, like I said, if if any uh, any of the rest of you guys want to send us email, you can do that at starwarstsc at gmail.com um, or check out our website at starwarstsc.com for all of our latest episodes and news stories and all that kind of stuff. Also check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, but that's going to do it for now. We will see you guys next time. Uh, hopefully Paul will be back again and we can talk uh, just about everything that's going on in the star wars universe right now um or who knows we'll maybe maybe we'll have some more news to talk about or we'll do another fun top five or something like that i don't know um but hope you guys have enjoyed this one thank you for tuning in we will see you next time and may the force be with you see you next time everybody